0: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Doctor Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 dilly d.
1: Hello, I am Doctor Fuck, and with me is. Oh yeah, Ian Wadley. How you doing, Ian? Oh, I'm doing pretty fucking good. How about yourself, Doc? I'm doing great. I'm here drinking water. Ah, uh, I,
0: I, I'm kind of drinking water.
1: I'm drinking Rolling Rock. Yeah, yeah that's it's great. Yeah, it's water with a little alcohol in it. There you go. Yeah, man. So anyway, this is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, the one that makes your mom wet. And, yes. And we're gonna review uh, Aerosmith, *Down with Mirrors*. But before that. Uh, we got some iTunes reviews this week? No, unfortunately, no new iTunes reviews. All right, well, I got YouTube reviews, so fuck it. There you go. <clears throat> and as you all know, and if you don't know, get on it, man. Get with it, dude. Be like the hip kid. Because I put up uh, uncensored episodes now in 2017. And before that, you can see a bunch of our episodes with videos and stuff on it. Uh, so I put up the second uncensored episode today, and we already got two comments. I put, nice. I put up uh, the uncensored, well, unedited version. There ain't nothing uncensored about our show. We don't censor ourselves at all. It's unedited. And I put up the Wasp Peddler's Children unedited review. And uh, here's the first uh, review is from a, somebody called Two Sticks Sixty Seven. He said, "Finally, somebody giving Frankie the respect he deserves." I saw Wasp on the Hell's Children tour, and they were fucking blistering. The older songs were just were just brutal, and the tracks on Hell's Children were just an icy on the cake. So that was two sticks, sixty-seven.
0: Nice. Did you did you see it with uh, Frankie?
1: No, it didn't come down here.
0: Oh man, me neither. Yeah.
1: Uh, Second review is from Joseph Staub, our friend Joseph Staub. Oh, okay. And he said about the Wasp review, Classic review, guys. I can't wait to see more of these unedited reviews. Thanks for the recommendation of this album. I bought it, and I'm loving it. My second favorite Wasp album after the debut. Keep up the good work, guys. Well, there you go, man. Joseph Joseph is on my page when it comes to Wasp, because I happen to think it's their second-best album, too, right right after the first one.
0: Right up. All right. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to say, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many ways to, to check us out, and I I felt bad for a guy who was commenting on uh, on the Facebook page about you know listening to the uh, the YouTube versions, and he says that's how he listens to this show, and I'm like, well, man, you you got you got to get on board uh, and get some on some iTunes or some Podbean because. You know, not all of our episodes are currently on iTunes, and some have been blocked, so there's no way, if you if you don't go to the podcast uh, pages, you can't hear them. That so, is true. And, and, and I believe it was in reference to uh, our recent interview with Blue Oyster Cole. And did, didn't you say that's
1: been blocked already? It says, includes copyright content. Now, what that means is that some countries won't be able to hear it. Ah, but some, but but most will. So that one, it, it barely escaped the censors. So yes, that one will be heard. Uh, yeah. Point of entry will not be heard. Uh, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll go. I'll shoot through the block list.
0: No, okay. that's that's great. That's very informative.
1: Oh, these are these are all the episodes you will never hear on YouTube because YouTube fucking really. I mean, I tried everything to get them unblocked. You know, with the fair use and. Changing the audio and trying everything, and man, even like bootlegs, wow, get like um get fucking stiff. But look, look at all these episodes: Rush Live, the one that we saw in New Orleans, blocked. Uh call Secret Treaties, uh, Guns and Roses, Use Your Illusions, both of them. Rob wow. for Resurrection, um, uh, No Rest for the Wicked, Ozzy, Jesus Priest, British Steel uh psycho circus kiss deep purple fireball sabotage hall of the mountain king top 20 live albums def oh. leppard um whatever uh on through the night aerosmith whatever aerosmith we did before uh done with marriage what was that night in the ruts i think yeah uh that's band, uh queen's rage for order iron maiden peace of mind Metal and Hard Rock Trivia, AC EC Dirty Deeds, Alice Cooper Killer, Kiss Asylum, uh, Queen the Game, uh Ace Frehley Space Invaders. And you know what sucks is it takes me hours and hours to do these fucking episodes. And yeah, it, and it's all for nothing. You know, is that, a-
0: now is there any chance that sometimes shit changes and later they'll be accepted. Or well,
1: that's what? why that's why I keep I don't delete them. That's why I keep them. Right. Yes, that has happened in the past. I had like a couple of kiss reviews on my Almost Human page be banned, uh, and then all of a sudden they pop they're, they're unbanned out of nowhere. Wow. I remember Hot and the Shade was one of them, and right. it was just one day I saw people commenting on Hot and the Shade. I was like, wait a second, isn't this one banned? And I saw it end up being. Uh, unbanned you
0: know so right so so there is hope but for you you youtube lovers we love you but don't be elitist you got to go either to you know to podcast addict Podbean, or itunes because you just named some uh, our all-time classic episodes that unfortunately will never will possibly never be on youtube
1: and that is it that is it i just finished the whole list that all those episodes you will never see but uh all right, now we're going to go to a regular commenter, and it's such a good review. And I got to say, this guy uh, joined our Facebook page recently. Oh, um, yes. I'm talking about Max Power. Yeah. And, and this is a really good review he left for the the first one. Wait, what was it? Uh, it was Last Command, right? Last Command. Right. He wrote on a very special episode of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, after, after performing at additions by subtraction the rock and metal combat podcast goes forward as a duo Consequen- <laughs> consequently the Ralph and Ian bromance heats up with the golden age of the rock and metal combat inaugural I have not been the least but bit interested in wasp before this episode after hearing this I can't pronounce this word dude this guy's too smart for me uh, effect on wild child I thought, what the hell? Give them a shot. Turns out I really like the first two albums. Thanks for opening my mind. The visual adds value to the older episodes. Thanks for taking the time to do it. There you go. Yeah. That's right. awesome. This one is from the infamous that I just put up last week The Skid Row Uncensored. Uh oh. That, that one is fucking brutal. You got it. I actually listened to that one again, and I was like, oh my God, I was so mean. Uh, This comment is from uh, Jeff Hodder. This is a great comment, yo. Man, I love sexual innuendos. Great episode, fella. How the fuck do you you two still have a job with this guy? (laughs) And another thing, tell Scott to shut the fuck up with his lyrics interpretation. It's really fucking annoying. (laughs) I did read that one. That's awesome. (laughs) That was great. And the great James McCarment. Been waiting to get a chance to sit and listen to this. The original episode was funny, but this is absolute gold. And it is true. This one is. Please, if you enjoyed "Slaves to the Grind," listen to that one. This one will fuck you up.
0: Yeah, and a, and a, a really important thing, uh, you know, we got to make known is, even if you do not like Skid Row, Slave to the Grind." You know, you still got to listen to this. I, I told a guy today on the Facebook page, uh, he doesn't like, you know, the album that's getting posted this week or, or you know, or this re- this episode. He's
1: like one he's, of us. He's, he's which like, one, oh. which one of us doesn't like this album? Stay tuned.
0: Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, I have no interest in this. I'm like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, the worse the album, the better the episode. So even if you don't like it, I mean, if you like us, always check, don't skip an episode because you don't like an album. Because you're still gonna piss your pants laughing. That's just how we do it here.
1: Yeah, and this one, oh my god, this is a guy that had a problem with you in the past and liked me, but then he had a problem with me because he's such a psychotic fuck. Oh my god, that I had to delete him from my almost human page. Out of the blue, he was like, "Fuck you, Ralph." And I was who, "Who's this?" None other than fee Fart.
0: Oh, V Fart. Oh, v Fart
1: left a comment on our. Uh, kiss, I think it's Kiss the Elder. I'm not sure. One of those kisses. <laughs> he wrote, uh, and again, he's so fucking out of it. Listen, yeah, it is the other episode. Listen to Chopsticks Wang, and let him let him tell you how great Odyssey is. Try not to laugh. Then listen to Ralph, A.K.A. about the solo. No, ask about the solo in Under the Rose and Wang. Hell yeah, that. That's the solo of Odyssey. Funny shit. Pathetic and ignorant and unfamiliar. I don't What the fuck is he talking about? And then he writes, Sorry, I guess that was Terrence, not Wang. Apologies to Wang Boy. <laughs> I don't know, man. V-Fart is like, he's just a peculiar dude.
0: Oh, yeah. And if, I believe it's in our, uh, our Megadeth, so far, so good, so what episode. I read that motherfucker, the riot act. I think I wish... Like uh somebody in his family gets raped and gets AIDS or some shit. I really went off on him. Because yeah. I can't stand I can't stand this guy.
1: Yeah, he he was leaving all these bizarre comments and I wasn't commenting. And then he left a comment going, Hey Ralph, why do you think this and that? And it was something I didn't think. And I go, dude, what are you talking about? And then he goes, Oh, my apologies. And then he went on to leave a couple other asinine comments that I wouldn't reply. And that's what it ended up ended up going, You know what? Fuck you, Ralph. Fuck you, you suck and I'm like Delete black. I didn't reply. What? Why the fuck? Wow. Uh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. This is from the Kiss Unmasked episode. He wrote, the gum was called Chewbops. Remember when we were talking about the little album cover that came with gum? Gum? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, a little one-inch record cover and gum inside was because it grew to look like a real record. I got Kiss Unmasked and Judas pretty <laughs> First, 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 Steel. I ended up listening to Priest when it came to the real thing. This episode killed it for me. join the club. (laughs) All right. uh, And I'll edit this out because this may have been from last week. No, it's not actually. Well, maybe it is. All right. Here's another one from Max Power from The Unmasked. Another killer episode from The Archives, complete with some vicious mom blasting. Yes, we did. I did do this last week. Okay. So that is the end of the iTunes review. So, hey, let's do something we haven't done in a while. What's up with the news? News?
0: Well, holy shit, I'm going in order here. So uh, this may not be the most metal story, but it is on Blabbermouth. Uh, Asia is opening up for Journey on their new tour. But John Witten, the bass player and singer, is going to be sitting it out because he's
1: fighting cancer. Oh, and I love so, that guy's voice.
0: Oh, yeah. Was, yeah he in a uh, band,
1: was he in a band before Asia?
0: Yes, he was in King Crimson. Oh, that,
1: was I he know. the guy that sang a 20th century... Schizoid Man, is that him? That that
0: I'm not sure. I'm not, He might have been. I I'm own that sure. album. Yeah, that that's a good. That's a classic.
1: The chord of something. I don't know. I have it on CD. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he's sitting out the tour. He's being replaced by the current bassist for Yes, Billy Sherwood. Uh, so man, if uh, you know, sorry to hear that, man. I hope he gets better.
1: That first Asia album is great. I have it, uh, I, I have it like three times on vinyl.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a good one. I mean, it's different than what we we talk about here, but I mean, there's some good fucking songs. Yeah, it? yeah,
1: it's kind of, you know, there's some rocky stuff on there. It's not bad. Um, I got new, I got two things very, uh, in the world of Dr. Fuck news. Okay. Well, actually three. Uh, well, as we were airing this, two days ago, I headlined, the uh, Death the Castro Fest, which, uh, uh, I shall say it now because, you know, it's a surprise, but we have a Fidel Castro piñata.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: How cool is that? We're going to have a piñata, of Fidel Castro piñata on the stage. And uh, two, I'm going to Las Vegas to see King Diamond. I already, nice. got, I already got my ticket. My parents are always go to Vegas, and they always bother me to go with them. So in August, King Diamond is playing a festival with a bath, and I am a huge Fan of Early Immortal, like the first three albums. So I get yeah. to see a bath. Uh, Melvins are playing. I like the Melvins. I know you yes. do. Um, yeah. And uh, this other band, what was the other band? God damn it. Uh, Neurosis. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Brian yes. Al- oh, I love Neurosis. The yeah, they're, they're playing the gig. You know, and a Ooh. bunch of other bands i never heard of. And one band called Hallow Leg which I was like, wow, they're on the build. That's a local band from Orlando we played with when we played Orlando, and they're really good. They're like Doomy and shit. Anybody out there, you want to check out, if you're into the Doom, check out the band Leg, which I'm very proud of my boys playing this festival. So it's a three day festival. I already bought my ticket. So I will be spending five days in Las Vegas. Now another, the last story of Dr. Funk just announced today for anybody out there that lives in New York City. Thrasher and I is playing New York City on March 18th, Saturday. They're flying us out, giving us hotels, and fucking hookers, and blow, well, you know, not the last two But, we'll, we'll, you know, that is on a rider. so let's see if they come through. Nice. And uh, yeah, we're playing New York City, man, uh, on a Saturday night, and headlining, baby! Fuck Mark, wait, yeah!
0: What uh, venue are you playing?
1: I will tell you guys next week. Alex called me today, he said he got it confirmed, but he was on the phone, he wasn't home. We do have the venue and everything, but he said he was going to tell me later. But Alex is infamous of not calling me back, so I'll find—I'll know by next week. So, but uh, I want people that listen. To that, that my boy Nate lives like seven hours away, and he's going to drive down to him. So,
0: awesome. Well, Nate comes into to my story because uh, you know you inspired me uh, to start a side project. You yourself have so many bands, yeah. You know, and I have just been dicking around with Eddie and the Boozers. And you're like, hey, you do a mean uh, Michael McDonald. So I started up this band called the Boozy Brothers. We ourselves are doing a Death to Castro party here in New Orleans. <laughs> but I cannot afford a pinata. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Nate come down here. And I'm going to beat the shit out of him. Because he, he's got the same beard. He's going to you know,
1: it's, it's with a wolf of all that.
0: So, you know, it, you know it's, it's not going to
1: kill him. We'll have, but, him uh, we'll have him wear that stupid green beret. That Castro
0: yeah. used to work. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll knock off that fucking uh, Rebel flag and, and <laughs> put the ba- the beret on there and beat the shit out of him on stage. So that if you're in the New Orleans area, check it out. Uh, and, the, Boozy Br- the Boozy Brothers.
1: And, and, and uh, I, I believe it's a feature episode. You will hear me tell Ian that he should start a Michael McDon- uh Dooney Brothers band and call it The Boozy Brothers. So I came <laughs> up with that name, and he just gave me no credit. Thank you. <laughs>
0: That's right, it is your... Well, I said you inspired me.
1: Okay, there you go. All right, said, so uh, what else is in the news that's not as cool as mine? All right. Uh, and yours, by the way. That was great. <laughs> I need footage of fucking Nate getting hit with a roof wall. <laughs> Make sure he wears a Sammy Hagar shirt.
0: Exactly. Uh, Obituary is getting ready to release a new album in March. Their 10th album, and it's going to be self-titled. And uh, admittedly, I am not the biggest death metal person but Obituary is one of the bands that I like. Yeah, I'm sure now, you like
1: all those albums I don't like.
0: Well, I was just going to say, now, I liked the last album, but you said you didn't like that one. Huh? Ain't the Blood? I did not like it at all. I, I did not mind it, but I am not a death metal connoisseur. I love the first two,
1: man. Slowly We Rot the the fucking closet. And yeah. I got to open for them once, man. Oh, no shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I played with Obituary and uh, who else was on that band? Obituary and uh, oh man, great band. Um, fuck, High on Fire.
0: Oh, I love High on Fire. And
1: that and, and Matt uh, Matt, Max- Pike. Matt Pike. Matt Pike loves Thrash or Die. Yeah. Loves us, the, dude. We were on the motor motorboat. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Talking about that. Yeah, yeah. He kept like every time he saw me, he's like, "Thrash or Die." I love you guys. You know, super nice dude. I love and I love High on Fire. Who doesn't
0: love Thrash or Die?
1: Uh, posers. But oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you gotta, you, you know, you have to understand why. I mean, we sing songs about killing them. Of course, they get offended. By so I get, I, I give them a pass.
0: All right. Well, here's a band had a record-breaking year, man. And this is something I can't get into. But for some reason, I think you like them. And that's uh, Trans Siberian
1: Orchestra. Well, the, no, you know? no, I do appreciate the musicianship, and that is that is. That is a fucking bucket list band that I don't put enough effort, cause they're here every fucking year. They were just here a few weeks ago. They always come here in Christmas time, and I always never go. But I've been wanting to go. I love the musicianship of the band, but no, it's not something I would sit home and listen to. I don't own any of it, but you know, I, I, I do appreciate you know the musicianship of the stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Well, I don't know. I I I, I, I hate Christmas music and uh so i, I don't know I, I don't think i could give it a chance
1: right okay
0: but uh but apparently this was their big, biggest successful year ever and that's saying something because they are whether i like them or not they are very successful at what they do so
1: uh and i love i love it because that is an offshoot of sabotage and sabotage right uh is one of those bands that never got their just due, and now they're reaping rewards with another thing because it's paul O'Neill's baby with yeah. John Oliva's uh, involved and so is uh, Middleton and uh, All right. uh, oh, Dr. Kill Drums, Steve Wackles, or something like that. So more power to them, you know. And then, you know, they have revolving musicians. You've had Alex Golnick in the band. You've had, uh, oh, what's that guy's name that was in
0: uh Al Petrelli.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, Megadeth. Al Petrelli and, you know, a lot of gifted musicians. And they're out there playing huge arenas making money and thank, and thank goodness for Trisverian Orchestra whatever
0: they're called. Yeah, uh, and I will say, uh, you know, I'm getting ready uh, to do an episode, you know, it'll be played by the time this episode airs, but I'm doing a year in review 1985 and so uh, I was listening to Power of the Night to pick a song off that to play and uh, really liked it. Uh, um, I'm like, oh man, maybe I need to check out many, some more.
1: Too many good songs on that one. Necro... I, that's the one I picked. That's yeah, one Necrophilia, I picked. Warriors, Washed Out, Title Track, Fountain of Youth. Great fucking album. Unusual. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah, I love them. I love they Yeah, were, They were from Tampa, but boy, did they play South Florida every fucking year. I saw them so many times back in the day, and I'm so glad I did. Man.
0: Right. Well, I, I started doing that when I was picking music for the show, because, you know, first I picked... You know the, the albums that I already know you know I, I know what I'm picking off that but then I was like well, well, well this came out that year let me listen you know go through the album and try to find something that you know I think fits in or something that, that grabs me and uh, I, I put on power of the night man and just let it go and I was like damn there's some really good shit on this you know so wasn't...
1: I'll, I'll be tuning in for sure you know why
0: good why is that
1: because static sex didn't have an album in 1985
0: you're right. <laughs> no Stripe <static acts laughs> in 85. Hell yeah. Oh, I'll never live that down.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'm tuning into that one. Well, this shit's going to air after it's done. So.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Well, just so you know, this Saturday. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, here's a story, man, that, man, you can sell this shit all day, but I am not buying it. The one and only Dave Mustaine says, I got over Metallica using my songs a long time
1: ago. <laughs> he is funny he should do stand up you should go up there and open open his stand up with that line Oh,
0: basically uh, he said that he was over it by the time he did killings My business oh right (laughs)
1: yeah right
0: oh good lordy good golly miss molly and if you believe that I've got a ticket to sleep in a tent on his front yard for $10,000
1: and and you get to get a a sermon from Dave Ellison.
0: Oh, my God, dude. I went on their website, and I read all the rules about that and everything. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd get kicked out in five fucking minutes. It's kind of weak. <laughs> it's like,
1: yay, give me $10,000, and you can sleep on my lawn. You know, it's like, fuck.
0: Well, it's weak. I went out there. Dude, you should see, like, they set up the tents for you and everything. Dude, it looked amazing. It's like, wow, this is Oh, really yeah, yeah,
1: of... yeah. It looked nice. Yeah, it did. Yeah.
0: looked but you can't bring no beer. What? <laughs> yeah, you you can buy maybe that beer, but you can't <laughs> you you can't bring your
1: own beer. Way to uh, go? Fucking Dave Simmons, bro.
0: Yeah, uh, uh uh no no drugs. Uh, uh no, no no urinating outside a toilet. <laughs> you know, I get drunk, I, I'm pissing wherever I can piss. Yeah, man. Uh, but, oh man, there's was, there was a huge list of rules, and you know, uh, you can't be an asshole, you know, ah, you know. Like, oh god, I didn't get thrown out right away, wh- and what they were charging. I was like, first of all, what Megadeth fan can afford this? Because every Megadeth fan I know is just like me, a dirtbag living paycheck to paycheck, you know? Yeah, no, but
1: there are Megadeth fans that very wealthy people. I,
0: I guess, man. I I, I don't know. But uh, but back to the story. <laughs> he's talking about how, uh, yeah, he's over it and all this shit. And he said something. He, he goes, I can't remember who said it. But uh, it was somebody very prominent. Very smart said. Metallica is like the Ramones. Megadeth are the Clash. And then, then he says, Metallica's Iron Maiden. Megadeth... Is Led Zeppelin, and he said that's a real good way to look at it because we're a little bit more twisty and turny. No,
1: they're not. The title's way more twisty and turny than us.
0: You couldn't come up with a more backhanded compliment, and they, man, if there's something I hate, it's a backhanded compliment. You know, it's like starting any sentence with with all due respect. You, you know, you know what's coming next is a slap in the fucking face. Yeah. So uh, you know, oh man, Dave. I'll tell you what. I I give this guy all the credit in the world for being by far the best guitar player of the big four, and and I, I truly think he is responsible. Uh, y- you know, for a lot of the thrash, definitely good thrash. You know, his style and his playing. I'll give him all that and then some. But man, as a dude, what a douche. What a douche. We'll never get him on this show. We'll never get anybody we'll never get a current member of Megadeth on this show. <laughs> but, but uh
1: man, come on. It's because when I met David then he was so nice, dude. Yeah,
0: and i have seen I'm to be cool like he'll yeah, do an interview, like you'll watch this one interview, like, okay, maybe he's changed, maybe he's really cool. And then just next like, no. No, that's still same old day. You know, it's like it's like taking back an ex-girlfriend, and you keep thinking it's going to be different this time, and, and then then he just shows his colors, you know. And I,
1: and think, this, I think he has eyes Yeah,
0: yeah, something, man. I, I mean, I don't know. I just he just got something. He'll he'll never. I I I don't know if he was like this before
1: he got kicked out of Metallica,
0: or if all of this is just you know like that just changed his whole course. You know, yeah, yeah,
1: a, a, he, had a, he, had, he had a fucked up childhood, so chances are, he, oh fuck, he got kicked out of the Taliban, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, everybody's
0: had a fucked up childhood. Doesn't give me an excuse to be an asshole, you know. Yeah, no,
1: in his uh, case, I guess you know, you have a, a a Jehovah Witness mom and yeah, and a dad, a stepdad that kicked his ass and shit like that. I mean, yeah, but, I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying right. it explains, you know. Right,
0: and and, and probably. You know, getting kicked out of one of the most successful bands of all fucking time, no matter what genre. Yeah,
1: you're gonna be uh, better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, but
1: but yeah, man, man, you gotta hand it to him. Look what he did, though. Look what he fucking did. You know, he came back with revenge, and he may have not eclipsed Mitaka, but he probably he pretty much eclipsed every other band from from uh, the thrash. Maybe you know, tied with Slayer, but. Oh, well,
0: I I think Megadeth definitely... I I mean, I like Slayer more, but, I mean, he definitely sold more. I mean, the number... You know, definitely one and two out of thrash sales-wise is Metallica and Megadeth. I think
1: think Slayer now is a bigger draw, though. uh, I I think maybe live-wise? I don't know, but sales talking No, I'm talking about live. and Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. Sales-wise. And I, I heard that was a big... Uh, problem on on the Big Four tour was uh, that Slayer would go on before Metallica, not Megadeth. It would go Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer, Metallica, and that really rubbed uh, Mustaine the wrong way. And and he mentioned, I believe, in an interview, that we sold more records. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, I mean, I know there's a few albums you you don't like, but for the most part, Slayer never really lost its integrity and people never turned on them the way people turned on Metallica and people turned on Megadeth. Now, you you know, but Megadeth is is so in another category that for all the haters it doesn't matter because they have far more fans than they have haters. You know, so... So, they're gonna win every time no matter what.
1: Yeah, but you know, I mean, when all said and done, fuck it, man. Just put on Dystopia. I put it on the other day. I haven't heard it in a while. The vinyl... And uh, right. holy fuck, that's a great album. That is a good one. That it, is a good yeah, one. Yeah, he came back. You know, so it's an album that I stopped listening to. And then I listened to it the other day going, why did I stop listening? This is fucking great. Really yeah,
0: I, I, I need to go back to that. You know, and I always say that's, uh, that's a catalyst for considering, you know, what's really going to stand the test of time is do you go back to it? Because when you get something new, of course you listen to it until you get sick of it. But the classic ones, the ones that stick with you, are the ones that you go back to over time.
1: You know? This I might go back to this, because uh, I go back to Endgame a lot.
0: Yeah, see, that that's another one I listened to a lot when it came out, and I haven't gone back. But I definitely need to go back to, uh, to Dystopia, because I, I did really like it. And I, I think it's their strongest one since uh, Rest in Peace. I really do. All right. Well, here's a show that I might go see. Now, this might depend on you uh, a lot here. Well, it also depends on what day of the week it is. But uh, Morbid Angel is getting ready to do a, a new U.S. tour with Suffocation, uh, rev- Revocation, and Withered. Have you ever seen Morbid Angel live? Are you
1: kidding me, dude? What kind of question is that? I don't know. I've seen them way whoop. too many times.
0: we've We've never really talked about Morbid Angel that much.
1: Well, see. it's my favorite uh, death metal band of all time. So I saw them the first time on *Blessed Are the Sick*. I saw *Covenant*. I saw uh, *Domination*. I saw—I went to Fort Myers to see uh, *Formulas of the Flesh*, which my good friend Zin Lopez did the album cover for that. And, oh, nice! And he also did the album cover for *Pose the Holocaust*. And uh, oh, and I seen them over for Pantera. I saw them. Many many yeah. times, yeah. I, I love Morbid Angel. I saw him even once with uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name. He was he didn't sing on their albums, but he was a singer for Hate Eternal, who has since passed away. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was an offshoot night. You know, I've seen him a bunch of times. Yeah, I, I love me more early Morbid Angel. Yes. Well, well,
0: now that you mention it, I guess I did see him because I saw him open up for Pantera on uh, Reinventing the Steel. I think it was. Yes,
1: it was them and Soulfly
0: yeah and uh but man to tell you the truth i mean i used to get fucked up back in the day i mean i get fucked up now but i used to really get fucked up and i don't remember a whole lot but uh i know this is the same guy who was singing at that time steve tucker is back in the band now yeah and uh would you recommend going and seeing him oh yeah with,
1: uh, Steve Tucker. I, I love steve tucker i think he's fucking phenomenal and right. uh I, maybe i don't know you're drunken haters if you notice this because i think they did at every show uh, I know they did uh, it. They did it. Myself. Uh, Phil came out and did Day of Suffering.
0: Yes, yes, he did do that. I, rem- I that I that I do remember.
1: One of my favorite Morbid Angel songs. Which is oh, so no, cool. They did
0: but uh, you know, and, and one interesting thing about the tour is, I always love to see these. Uh, uh, the show here in New Orleans is the last date of the tour, and I always find that you know they go all out on the last one. You know, if you get to see that.
1: Right.
0: They- Sometimes when you, when you see the first date of a tour, it's cool because you might get a different set list, you know, but then sometimes, you know, they're a little bit rusty or don't have shit figured out. But usually, you know, when you see the end of the tour, man, they know they know what's working and, you know, you can see, you know, headliners fucking with the opening bands and everything because it's the last night and stuff. So I got to see what, uh, what day June 27 falls on. But this is at the... House of Blues here in Orlando, so I might go check that out.
1: I would, I would if I were you. Even though it's, oh. it's what is it, just Trey in the band, right? In the original uh, lineup? Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, just Trey. Uh,
1: that's that's unfortunate, but whatever.
0: Yeah, because the the, the drummer, uh, he found Jesus.
1: Yeah, he's in a, he's in a Terrorizer, which I opened for, and oh boy is that guy a kook. He was nice and everything, but he was like don't shine no yellow lights on me. He was very. Oh powerful.
0: yeah, yeah. I think I remember you saying that. And
1: he's very anal because Alex Marquez lent him his drums, and oh my God, it took him forever, forever to you know to set it up to his liking. It was kind of annoying, you know. But whatever,
0: you know. Right. But was, but by all by all accounts, he, he's an incredible drummer. He's
1: probably the best uh, double bass drummer in the death metal genre.
0: Right on. All right, well, next story, and this is something I agree with 10,000%. I don't. Uh, I think you might. I don't know. I think, I think we might see I well, to eye. I, I'm going to lie
1: on this, uh, regardless.
0: Okay. All right. Sebastian Box says, modern rock albums sound too perfect. Yeah, he's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to melting your skull. Oh, All Pro Tools. <laughs> That singer fucking what is it? Uh, auto tune, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. They auto tune
1: yeah, my vocals on that.
0: <laughs> but uh, that that's something I've been complaining about for years. Is is newer music uh, is just too pristine, and it it doesn't have like the heart and the soul that the older shit has.
1: Ah, fool! You see there, I'll disagree with you, and I mean it this time.
0: Okay. Because
1: you're 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 you're. You're basing your opinion on popular albums. There's so many great... I want to I wanna plug a band. Everybody out there, this ain't my pick of the week. It probably won't be my pick of the week in the future. It, 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 I just got turned on to them. But holy fuck, go on YouTube and type up this band. It, if you like metal, you will be floored how good this band is. They're called Midnight Malice. And the album's called Proven Ground. The full album's on YouTube. Came out in 2014. It's a Canadian metal band holy fuck are they fucking awesome 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 band and boy there ain't no fucking pristine bullshit on that that's like pure vibe metal and i can name a hundred other bands that are like that but they're just under the radar you know they the, the thing is that the bands that aren't pristine nobody knows about it.
0: right well, well i mean i mean of course i wouldn't go as far to say as there's no albums that sound good but i'm saying the majority and especially you know the ones that are you know uh, the few major labels that are left, everything is too precise. And, and another thing that, that he goes on to mention in the article that I definitely agree on is the lack of quality frontmen in, in newer bands and, and in newer rock. And it, you know, and I really thought about this as I'm driving home. I'm listening to DJ Mac, the great uh, his great show Wednesdays, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern on that metal station. And he was playing a song from uh, uh, Slash's new solo album, or his, you know, his last one. And it just sounded so sterile. And and the singer, Miles Kennedy, I'm not gonna say the guy can't sing, but it was just so generic. You know what I mean? It, it sounds like, to me, it sounds like something you would hear on uh, like The Voice or, or American Idol. You know, the guy could sing, but it was too perfect. You know, there was no there was no sleaze. There was no grit to it. And when I think of, you know, vocalists that I love, you know, from, from back in the day that nowadays, you know, if they were to go on some fucking show like this, they'd get booted the first night. You know, I mean, not everybody was Ronnie James Dio. I mean, you think like, you know, Ozzy, uh, uh, fucking, you know, Stephen Piercy, David Lee
1: Roth. Uh, well, Steve is he, terrible from man. Well, well,
0: well, well no, no, but you know, what, I'm, I'm not talking about his pro capability, but I'm talking about like the voice is not technically what you would consider, right. you know, like an, you know, an opera. You know, it's not Jeff Tate, it's not shit like that. But it had a certain sleaze and a groove to it that had personality, and I would much rather hear personality than pitch perfect vocals.
1: Well, I would like to name a couple bands out there that people really don't know about that should check out, if you don't mind.
0: Uh, feel free?
1: Stalker. I think they're from, uh, I don't know what country. They're awesome. Uh, Satanic Panic is one of their songs. uh, um, The Last In Line album with, uh, you know, that that has veterans in it. Uh, Rhythm of Fear, great new band. Uh, Paralysis, a great thrash band. Suicide Angel, a band that you turned me on to. Really good shit. Oh, I love them. Um, Oh, man. This band is fucking amazing. They're called Bat. Like B-A-T. Oh, man. You got to check out that band. They're fucking great. Another band called Black Torah. That's awesome. Cauldron. Maybe some of you heard of Cauldron. Uh, Let's see. Crucified Mortals. Dust Bolt. Eradicator. Game Over. Ghoul. Fucking hit hitting, H I T T E N, awesome band, uh, Holy Grail, Iron Curtain, Monument. I could go on and on. Mosh Pit Justice. You want you want to hear some killer thrash? A paradox, Psychosis. Oh my God, that band's fucking
0: amazing. Now, all all these bands that that you were naming, the ones that that I didn't know, are these all? thrash bands or no, some of them like traditional no, metal as well?
1: Some of them like uh, Holy Grail's traditional metal, Hittens, traditional metal. There's another nice. band called Vulture. They're traditional metal. Warning Sign's traditional metal. Uh, yeah, not not all of them are, are thrash, no. Uh, right. But they're all amazing fucking bands, and they're all bands that nobody knows about. And like I told you, man, Midnight Malice blew my fucking mind, dude. This, it's like every song. On this album, and dude, it has a song called "Sworn to the Horns." How cool is that? You know, nice. I just loved, loved that band. And I, only, I heard it for the first time today. I listened to it. My buddy sent me a link, and I fucking listened to it twice. Hunted it down, and uh, oh. ordered, um, uh, ordered it. So uh, check out that band, Midnight Malice. That's my pick be- before the show. My pick of the news.
0: Nice. Uh, and yeah, I would definitely like to check some of those out because. There is there is a great amount of good uh, newer thrash bands coming out. Man. Yeah, sure. and I, I love that. I love that. You know, because I I love I, I I know I get labeled as a cock rock guy, but I fucking love thrash. But there there is like a lot of great new thrash bands. But what I'm really missing is like a good old like a fucking traditional metal band or like even like a good sleaze rock band. That's you know not not too fucking cheesy, but just playing, you know, something like Old Rat, or like, you know, Shout Shout to the Devil Motley Crue, you know? I would love something like that, that wasn't like, cheesy, or because the newer bands that I like, the ones that really grab me, are kind of all in the same genre. Uh, You know, like your Uncle Asin and the Deadbeats, Bloody Hammers, uh, uh, Orchid. They they have this retro sound that that I, I love. I fucking love that shit. But man, I would really like like a like a new fucking Iron Maiden or a new priest or, or a new like early Motley Crue and Rat, you know, and I think specifically like sleaze rock, cock rock, hard rock, whatever you want to call it. And tra- traditional metal really need like a new voice because I, I just don't see anybody out there playing that particular brand of metal.
1: Well, anybody out there, if you want to listen, hear all those bands that, I'm, that I just mentioned. Because I pride on playing a lot of brand new shit on the dr. Fuck show Thursday nights 8 p.m. on that metal station uh, I I every hour you'll hear two or three Brand-new shit that I either got turned on right then or has been around a few years that you don't hear anywhere and uh, I, I Turn on a lot of people to uh, To a lot of these bands that uh, I discovered uh, another band called grain seeker They're a local band there. I, I played them and and. Boy, they got such a great reaction. Nate loves them. Don't hold that against this band. But they're (laughs) they're really, really good. They're mind-blowing good. They're total traditional metal in the vein of uh, New Wave of British heavy metal type thing. Uh, Nice. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. You just got to look. And, man, I mean, it's so easy to find if you go on YouTube. Like, just type in Midnight Malice and then look at the little suggestions on the side. Like I'm looking at the page right now, though I haven't looked look at these bands, but I see a band called uh, Leatherheart. I gotta check that out. Uh, Elm Street, which I have heard, they're really good. Uh, you see Monument, I see on here Axion. I don't know these bands, but Monument's really fucking good. Uh, Invocator. There's there's just so. There's a band called Ranger. That album cover looks cool. Uh Validator. There's a lot of good stuff, dude, That that's... Oh, there's a band called Dracula. i got to look into that. Um, uh, digested Flesh. Well, that may be death metal. <laughs> but whatever, man. Check. It. Come on, expand your horizons. Uh, Leave uh, the, the, the past for a second. Check out these bands and then go back to the past. I mean, it, it's a shame because there's so many people out there like a Sebastian Bach and everybody out there that doesn't really... Uh, search and complain about, oh man, music ain't good these days. Man, there's bands out here that I gotta say that rival some of the classic shit. That is just, I listen to Midnight Malice and I think to myself, this shit's as good as Accept. It doesn't sound like it, but it's as good as all that 80s stuff. It's just as good. And it's it's not really retro sounding to me. Uh, Midnight Malice it does sound like total '80s metal, whatever, but it's got that that kind of like infusion of originality in some way, but not like, oh, let's be original for the sake of being original. You know what
0: uh, I mean? I, I think maybe part of the problem there is, uh, you know, with the music industry the way it is. You know, everybody used to get signed back in the day. I mean, shit, if you just had the look, you got signed and then you're on MTV and that was a way of exposure. And nowadays, it, 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 it's kind of flip-flop because you have even more access, but you, you're, you're absolutely right. You really have to, to look for it because there's nobody advertising it. There's no record company pushing it or no video being pushed. You just got to look. There's a torrent site that I go on to because, yes, I do download. But I have found some amazing bands just because... When they post the torrent, they also post, well, in their opinion, what genre of music it is, and if it's something that sounds appealing to me, or even if they just have a really cool name, I'm like, all right, let me check this out. And a lot of times, if you click on it, they'll have either like a YouTube link so you can hear a song, or you can just say, fuck it, take a chance and download it and see if you like it. I mean, that's how I found. you know, Uncle Ass and the Deadbeats and Bloody Hammers and, and Orchid is because the description, you know, Doom or, you know, 70s or Retro or, you know, I found uh, Suicidal Angels because, you know, just because it said Thrash, you know, and uh, so th- th- there is, you have more access to find the shit. But yeah, you're right. You really do have to look for it and, you know, know what you're looking for.
1: And, and right. this, yeah but and also like don't depend on record companies these days too because uh they, they'll chew you up and spit you out do it right. yourself man i mean work hard make a lot of money get get your band members i mean to uh because honestly man i mean thrash or die i mean dude we have i mean i'm not gonna lie we were offered uh, a couple label deals nothing big you know not, metal blade didn't come to us or you know or any any of these bigger labels, but you know some labels that that have some bands that I've heard of uh, have offered us labels. But you know, I mean, I took it to my dad's lawyer, and it's like, "Don't sign this shit." So I do everything myself. And this is a something. This is a public service announcement. I would like to tell everybody out there: I own a record label. I I own my my record label is called Empty Bow Records, and I am looking for bands to sign. But Here's the difference between me and other labels. You finance everything, you record your shit, and just slap M.P.I.N.G.O. Records on there, and I'll promote the fuck out of you, but I ain't gonna pay you nothing because I ain't gonna want nothing. I'm not gonna take a penny from you. But if you kick ass, it would be an honor to have you on my roster. I want M.P.I.N.G.O. Records. All right, let's get into the episode, oh, shall sure. we? Hold on, hold on. You ready, round? Oh, yeah! That's right. What? I just opened a fucking fuck bottle just of beer. Wait, hold on. I, I don't know. What's going on around here? You know what's going on? It's a fucking Friday as we record. Yeah, this thing came on, so oh, hold on. I gotta end that part. I'm just saying this. Again. I would be proud. I would really be proud to have nothing but kick-ass bands on my roster. I will not take a penny from you. I can't. I'm not made of money. So if you guys want to press your shit you put your little lo- our little logo on thing records and I will promote the living shit out of you and you got to remember thrash die has what is it hundred and sixty nine thousand people on our page and we could get your name out there you know I'm not promising I mean all I could do is promote you online and, and even make a little video where I have thousands of people check out my videos online but you know just the only requirement I have is that I gotta like it like if a midnight madness type band men malice type band comes up to me i'll be like fuck yeah dude i'll sign i'll i'll have you guys on my roster so there you go i'm out records looking for talent but you know you ain't gonna make no money off us but we're not gonna make no money off you how cool is my label
0: that's cool i want to put out a 45
1: (laughs) well no no actually on uh uh if if uh what is it the the boozy brothers releases uh uh, I'm, I'm, i am have to i have to release it on my subsidiary. what is it subsidiary subsidiary <laughs> <subsiderary laughs> label that's called I'm goofing on you. I'm goofing on you records. Ah uh, damn! I just made that up right now. And I'll plug the fuck out of you on my brand new uh, I'm goofing on you records uh, uh, Facebook page that I haven't made yet. So <laughs> yeah. maybe two or three people from the podcast page will join and see it.
0: Great. Yeah, but. My debut single, buy this shit, because Ralph won't. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, last story, which kind of falls into what we were talking about, is on Accept. Uh, They just put out a new live album, Restless and Live, uh, a 27-track album. That's a really good mix of the classic era and the Mark Tornillo era. And uh, I can't wait to check this out. Mr. X just sent it to me, and uh, I'm curious for that. But Wolf's already looking ahead to the next studio album. And what he says, I agree with him 100%. He he goes, we just want it to sound like it could have been written 30 years ago.
1: I woke up like a week ago, and uh, when I went on Facebook, I'm half awake, and a friend of mine, Jenny, tagged me in a... You know, one of these little silly Facebook things that says, uh, I was nominated by so-and-so to put up a video of, uh, for a whole week I have to put up of my favorite 80s videos for a whole week. Yes. Uh, My favorite 80s metal videos. And I nominate so-and-so to put up something. And, And then she wrote on the bottom where she tagged me going, this reminds me back in the day when we used to go to Ralph's house and watch music videos in the 80s. And, I, and then her pick was accept balls to the wall. And I was like, and I wrote a comment. I go, no, for Eve, my friend Eve wrote a comment saying some shit. Then under Eve, I wrote, great pick, Jenny. That was the end of it. So then I had to go take a piss. And while I'm, <laughs> while I'm there taking a piss, it dawned on me. And look how weird this is. A dream that I dreamed that night came to me out of nowhere. came to me. I had a dream I was in a car with Eve and Jenny, and Eve said to me, Ralph, sing that song. Write a letter. You feel better. Which is losers and winners. That's off of Balls to the Wall. Yes. Is that weird? That so, is weird. So I made a post about it, and of course some idiot has to leave. That happens to me all the time. It's like, so what?
0: Fucking Andrew Jacobs. Always a wet fucking towel, that motherfucker. Yeah. All right, so uh, without further ado, let's go into the Aerosmith Review. All right, let's get into the episode,
1: shall we? You ready, Ralph? Oh, yeah! That's right, I just opened a fucking bottle of beer. What's going on around here? You know what's going on? It's a fucking Friday as we record this. And Ian and I are not going to, we're going to do next week's episode after this one. So I'm going to start drinking during this one. And by the time we're to the next one, I'm going to be hammered. So tune in next week. Hear the the buildup of my drunkenness. Cheers. Cheers, Ian. All right.
0: (laughs) And the next one's a double album. Hint, hint. Oh, yeah. Grease. All right, but right now, (laughs) that's right. Uh, Right now, we're here to talk about Aerosmith and what was supposed to be their comeback album, but didn't quite make it, 1985's Done With The Mirrors. Or, I'm sorry, just Done With Mirrors. Yeah. Uh, I bought this one, I would say, I think I got this shortly after Permanent Vacation came out. And I found it, uh, you remember you used to see, uh, cassettes in a gas station and they'd have that hole punched
1: through them and shit? No, but I remember you telling me that story, you were your dad and you bought some shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was it's, Crocus, it's, right? No, uh, the, the same way I got, uh, uh, Seven, uh, Seven Star, Black oh, Sabbath.
1: Okay. Oh, interesting.
0: But yeah, uh, and basically that's where they'd sell, you know, cassettes, you know, that didn't do well, that record stores couldn't get rid of, and then they at gas stations, and uh, that's how I got this.
1: You know they're and making a resurgence now.
0: Cause I know it, it's fucking retarded. I know, it, man.
1: I I don't get it myself. It, it's,
0: it's 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 it's. Well, they saw the hipster bullshit that's going on with vinyl. Yeah. You know, and, and there is such a fucking hipster douchiness to the vinyl revival, but which here's... is
1: unfortunate because I'm a vinyl freak. Right. But, but I here... was I was collecting before it was
0: hit. Right. Now here's the difference with vinyl. Okay? Vinyl is still the absolute best sound. Okay? Good good clean vinyl through a, on a good turntable kicks the shit out of any cassette, any fucking MP3, any C D, so I can see it. What in the fuck is the advantage? Of a goddamn cassette.
1: You know, if you take <laughs> care of your vinyl, if you take great care of your vinyl, it's eternal. You can own it forever. If you take great care of your cassette, it's still gonna fuck up on you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's gonna squeak eventually, or it's gonna get eaten up.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's a total like doucheness. Like, hey, we're this. Hit. You know, it's like taking the vinyl resurgence one step further. You know, I'm surprised the eight tracks not making a comeback. You know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. and, and and who knows? It might. Guys, guys with like short hair and like long ass fucking beards are going to be buying cassettes and smoking a fucking pipe, and you know, in their fucking skinny jeans. And, and uh, if, I mean, if you're into that, the guy's got a show Sunday nights on that metal station. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! I got you, bushy. I got you. I love you. You got uh, short hair though. Um. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. What what a stupid resurgence. At least vinyl makes sense sonically.
1: And it's big and the artwork. I mean, dude, cassettes are smaller than CDs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I live through cassettes. I think this cassette resurgence is like you know, 80s kids who don't want to grow up and just like hipsters who think it's it's like cool cuz it's so retro, man.
1: You and know, you got fuck. you got you need a telescope to read the lyrics on a cassette.
0: Oh, man. I mean, you remember what it's like, you know, when, when, your, when your tape got ate or when that little cushion in the middle would fall off and you'd try to fix yeah. that shit?
1: Yeah, I oh, always used a little super glue. Man, now don't get me Crazy wrong. Crazy glue, me. I
0: mean. There, there's nostalgic shit that I miss about cassettes just because, you know, it's my childhood and, you know, taping songs off the radio and stuff like that. Well,
1: that was cool. You know what was cool was blank cassettes. Because they right. were extra long, like ninety minutes or hundred ten minutes, right. and you can make killer mixes. So that was the part of cassettes I love. But uh, as far as buying a cassette of a release, are you fucking nuts? Right, but that—that's
0: what I'm saying. It's purely, it's a, it's a nostalgia thing. We did it back then out of necessity. Okay, uh, shit's got better now. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's like purposely using something that we've already bettered just to be. You know, ironic <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I don't know it, yeah. it, it, It's it's like you get a cut on your leg And you cut it off Because that's what they did in the 1400's <laughs> You know, you, you don't have to do that now it's, <laughs> you, you know Fucking grow up you fucking hipster You know, you know, that, you know what pisses me off Is people who drink Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, and, and not out of necessity When I drink Pabst Blue Ribbon It's because it's all I can fucking afford
1: you know, that shit always gives me a headache. But, but side so of hipsters.
0: But, but there is a resurgence of these, like, trustafarian rich kids around here, like, you know, college kids, who drink it because, look at me, it makes me working class. No, you're not working class. You're Trustafarians, fucking, huh? Yeah, little trust fund babies.
1: rich kids, Oh, man, that's genius. I, I never knew that term before.
0: Yeah. It, you know, it, 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 I, I can't stand shit like that, you know? It, it, there's certain stuff you do out of necessity, <laughs> you know?
1: Right. And,
0: uh, yeah, cassettes. <laughs> Fuck that. At least vine, vinyl has a legitimate reason, you know?
1: Right. But
0: that's not what we're talking about here. We're Boy, talking we, we, me-
1: we got off the subject even before we got into what we're reviewing.
0: Hey, I started drinking in the last episode. Just for you listeners at home, this is episode two of a three and a half... Episode day, we're doing
1: well. If we make it, yeah. If, and, and if alcohol poisoning doesn't rear its ugly head, hey,
0: hey, I got a good fucking uh, idea that I'll make it. <laughs> you're the wild card here. Yeah, figure. I know,
1: man. <laughs> you're you're, you're a freaking dude. You drank, you know, you know, figuratively over Skype, you know, fucking eat and drank me and Wang under the table. <laughs> you're like, you're like the Lemmy of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> Why, thank
0: you. <laughs> oh, my shriven up liver, thanks you. Uh, but no, we're here to talk about Done With The Mirrors, and uh, this is a very uh, a cult album, if there is, for Aerosmith, because it really is the lost record, I think, even more so than Rockin' A Hard Place. and uh, And it definitely has its fans. This is an episode that we've been asked about for a long, long time. And I think we put it off so long. This is only our second Aerosmith review, and we did uh, "Night in the Ruts," and I was really shocked at the uh, the reception or lack thereof, uh, really, for that episode.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate because that's a great fucking album.
0: Yeah, and, and it and it was a good episode. But I understand. I mean, as much as Aerosmith is a legendary band, they have a lot, a lot of haters. Uh, for what they become, almost I, I would think uh, almost like Metallica level of people who hate them for what they become, and uh, so I don't know if that was something that turned people off. But uh,
1: you know, you know, another thing about Aerosmith, what they become even turned off newer generations to even look into them. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Oh yeah, I agree. You go to an Aerosmith concert, it's like fucking an old folks home, sponsored right. by Geritol. Hey, I'm one of them, okay? Or or, or you got girls who've seen Armageddon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but this album here, it was considered uh, their comeback because the original lineup got back together after uh, four years of splintering off to uh, not much success on anybody's camp. Originally, Joe Perry left during the making of Night in the Ruts and started the Joe Perry Project. Which really didn't start the world on fire. Um, Brad Whitford left uh, right at the beginning of the recording of Rockin' a Hard Place" and did Whitford St. Holmes, which is kind of looked back fondly now, but at the time really didn't do shit. And,
1: and the, the, the reunion album's really good, by the way.
0: And uh, oh yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, it's, uh, I have it if You need it. And uh, you know, and then Aerosmith, the, the the new version of Aerosmith, the only album. Uh, really, with the different lineup for the whole album, uh, Rockin' a hard place, that really did uh, set the world on fire. No, it didn't. So, you know, out, out of necessity, well, originally they did uh, 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 a reunion tour first, called the Back in the Saddle Tour. A friend of mine. I was there. I wanted
1: to. I, I wanted to talk about that, but go ahead.
0: And uh, and then after that, they went into the studio. Uh, they were dropped by Columbia who they'd been on since the first album after Rockin' a Hard Place and they were signed to Geffen Records and this was, uh, you know, there was some money put into this, they got Ted Templeman to produce this, who of course you know, had so much success in the 70s and 80s with bands like Doobie Brothers and Van Halen and uh
1: oh by the way, uh, Doobie Brothers, can you please Ian, for me do your Michael uh, McDonald impression I love it
0: (laughs) Is there is there a certain song?
1: Uh, what a fool believes.
0: What a fool believes. <laughs> I the been way <laughs> to all, right. all
1: right, Michael, put fucking Ian back on. All this right. Is spot on.
0: He <laughs> came from somewhere back in a long ago. All
1: fuck, all right. the, fuck, the, fuck the Eddie and the Boozers. The Boozer Brothers. Look into that. Uh, (laughs) We're
0: Anyway, uh, so yeah, you got Ted Templeman here. You got the original lineup. But in 1985, can you get anybody to give a shit? Uh, And they also made what I think was one of the most ridiculous mistakes in the history of marketing for this album uh was that the title done with the mirrors a reference to uh no longer using cocaine or you know any kind of drug you do off a mirror uh everything was written on it backwards right so you had yeah. to hold it up to a mirror to read it right I don't know how many times I saw this album in a used record store and I didn't even know what it was I mean just I never like it's kind of a cool record cover but it's like I, I just, I would always look past it, like, yeah, whatever, it's something backwards, blah, blah. I had no idea it was Aerosmith. You know, now you would think, yeah, look at it. But back then, I was into so much different shit, I didn't have time to stop and figure out what the fuck it was. But uh, I, I, I did go back and get this because I'd heard about it after Permanent Vacation came out. And, you know, my big turn-on to Aerosmith was the Walk This Way with Run DMC.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, your whole generation got turned on by Aerosmith that
0: way. Oh yeah, and uh, you know my dad had some Aerosmith, but I never recalled him playing it. And I told, I asked him after the song, I'm like, Dad, do you know the song Aerosmith or this band Aerosmith? He's like, Yeah, yeah, I love Aerosmith. And I was like, Oh, you got to hear this! And I played him, you know, the Run DMC. He's like, What the fuck is this garbage? That's not Aerosmith. This is Aerosmith, you know. And he hands me toys in the attic and I heard the original Walk This Way, I was like, ugh, this sucks, I didn't like it at first, because I was so into the Run DMC version, but then, of course, uh, you know, Permanent Vacation came out, and I loved it at the time, I'm not gonna lie, it was a huge hit, and, uh, I went back and got this album, and, uh, what do I think about it, well, uh, we'll get into that later, but, uh, Ralph, you want to talk about, you know, even prior to this, the back of the saddle tour, and then when you first heard Done With The Mirrors?
1: Yeah, but, okay, I'll talk about that. Uh, I saw Aerosmith on the Rock and the Hard Place, so yeah, I was privileged enough to see both lineups of Aerosmith. Oh, I didn't well, know you saw that tour, right on. I saw I saw them open for Journey. That was the one where Sammy Hagar opened the whole show. Oh, okay. I, I discussed that because... That's right. Uh, that, Sammy Hagar said he never opened for anybody since 79, and that was, I believe, 82. Uh, it was the Frontier Store, and I think Rock and Hard Place already ran its course when they played that show. Anyway, uh, so the Back in the Style was the second time I saw them, and it was at the Sunrise Musical Theater, a half sized arena, same place I saw Ozzy's Blizzard of Oz, you know. It's kind of like a starting point for a bigger band, and... Um, yeah, it was great. I do remember that night they played a few songs off this. So that's why when you brought up after the tour, they went and recorded the album. I thought that was the tour of the album. But, you know, you, you, you know. No, you they're, yeah. yeah,
0: they're two separate tours.
1: Which, by the way, um, Black and Blue opened it with the real Tommy Thayer. And uh, they opened that show. I love Black and Blue. I love that first album. And it was, that was another, I mean, I would have went anyway, but I was like, oh shit, Black well, and Blue. Well, it
0: depends on what uh, what the date was for that show because Tommy Thayer did the first half and the second half was Ace Fraley in Tommy Thayer costume. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that uh, Ace was on hard times at that point.
1: <laughs> hard times! Anyway, so um, uh, I do remember them playing some tracks off with Mirrors but yeah, I, maybe maybe it was one of those things. Hey, look, we got a new album coming out. This is one of the songs off it. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive it was. Uh, let the music do the talking. But I could be wrong. Then right. I did see and, the proper tour.
0: Okay? And, and, uh, sorry to cut you up, but that would make sense because uh, you know, let's let, let the music do the talking was the you know the first single off this album, and that was it. It, it was a re-recording of a song that was on a Joe Perry project album. The, which the, the I, first, own. I own. Yeah, the first Joe Perry project album, and then when they did it with Aerosmith, you know, uh, they beefed it up a little bit. You know, and Steven did all new lyrics for it, so I could see them playing that because that was already written then.
1: I hate that version. You know, I hate it. I I bought which, a box. Which, set. which one? The Joe Perry one.
0: Oh yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I bought.
1: I, you know what? It's weird you say that because a lot of people uh, don't agree with us. But um, I heard that way after the fact. I never owned a Joe Perry project album. I do recall seeing them back in the day. Uh, I think maybe Midnight Special, Don Kirshner, one of those, or some, some, somewhere, something. But anyway, there, there is a box set that I bought. Um, Pandora's was, box. No, no, no. Oh. That that that's more of a mix. I'm talking about even prior to that. This was um, I I think I bought this around the time of Permanent Vacation. It's a it's a red box that has every Columbia uh, Records album from the first album all the way up to Rockin' and Hard Place. Even has live bootleg in there. And as an added bonus, it also has Let the Music Do the Talking. That was the title track.
0: Wait a minute, you're not talking about Box of Fire, are you?
1: No. Okay. No, no. Box of Fire came out way after.
0: This. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay.
1: No, Box of Fire is nice and wood. This is a little yeah. fucking cardboard red box. That oh, okay. only has the Aerosmith logo on it. But, oh, okay. And when I bought the album, I was already well aware of Done With Mirrors, and I put it on, and I was like, what the hell is this shit? Number one, the the, the, the lyrics are different. Music's pretty much identical, but uh, I don't like the guy's voice. Uh-uh. And, and uh, it just did nothing for me, and, and as well as the rest of the album. But that is an album I should go back and listen to again. I did end up finding it on vinyl. But, it, um, it'll let you die.
0: well I don't know about the whole album but but just in doing you know research for this album today I went back and listened to uh, the original version of Let the Music Do the Talk because like you said you and me are in the minority everybody's like oh oh the Joe Perry project is so much more raw and better smith ruined oh it, it, could not it be further from the truth to my ears I, Jesus Christ Steven Tyler saved that fucking song Cause that singer was fucking horrible, and and even the even the 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 guitars and that was produced by Jack Douglas, who I think best produced uh, Aerosmith. It was so muddy and oh god, I don't know. I just thought it sounded like shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not. It, it wasn't good at all. Um, okay, so my point. All right, I want to do a little connection about how you and I are both wrong here. Okay, we are definitely both wrong on this. Um, I think the appeal of Done With Mirrors is the same appeal of The Elder. And we both have the same time frame because you got into Done With Mirrors way after the fact. I got into... Well, um, two two years after it came out. All right, mine was uh, maybe three years uh, Elder. It was 85, four years, eighty 84, 85. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's around the same time where I finally listened to The Elder. Uh, and I already told that story. I was on a bus. I went to a record store I had it on cassette. I had a Walkman. I listened to it on my way back home. I loved it. But maybe the reason why I love The Elder so much is because it's so... It did, Well, unlike Done With Mirrors, The Elder was very hated. I think the appeal with Done With Mirrors is that it wasn't well received. And I think that's the appeal of it from people that weren't there when it came out. I mean, I was there when The Elder came out, but I never bothered to listen to it. I heard one song, and I took my friends, uh, well, two songs, uh, World Without Heroes. But my friend, I went to my friend's house, and he's like, oh, yeah, the only good thing on this album is the first track, and he played me The Oath. And I was like, man, that's a good song. But then, you know, I never bothered to listen to the rest. Until I bought it, and I listened to it, I was like, God, this is a great album. But maybe I love it the same reason you love Dunlap Mirrors, or maybe we're just both wrong, and we both genuinely do love the music of it. You know, but but maybe there is a part of us that we just love it because it's a it's a dark horse. You know, um, this is not going to be a popular episode for me because I'm going to be like one of those douchebags that unpopular metal reviews because I really think this is a piss poor album. And uh, and being a guy that was there, um, I feel like a guy that was really into Kiss here in nailed it for the first time. And probably to this day just doesn't like that album, you know? But, um, yeah, like I said, I saw this. uh, I saw the back of the saddle. uh, And then uh, Black, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, They came back when the album was released with Ted Nugent.
0: Yes, I I saw that at the Hollywood Sportatorium.
1: Oh, shit, dude, I was there. That's crazy. Right on. How, How wacky. I think I saw you. (laughs) And uh, What do you call um, I can't remember uh, The exact songs they played from this album I do remember a couple but they might have played more
0: I I can't tell you They played five songs uh, From this album on the tour
1: Wow That's crazy Um, Uh,
0: Would you like to know what they are? I would love to Okay they played uh, My Fist Your Face Yeah She she's on fire yeah the hop sheila and let the music do the talking
1: interesting i don't remember that i mean i do remember my fist your face for sure i do remember that and yeah of course let the, not that i remember let the music do the talking but duh of course they have to play that one but um uh what was it maybe because it flopped you know uh some people are biased like i said but i feel most of this album is weak and it's a like huge disappointment because you know i'm a kid of the 70s i owned toys in the attic uh i'm talking about 70s i didn't own them all but i i owned toys in the attic, i owned live bootleg and i owned rocks those were the only ones i owned in the 70s uh i think the early 80s where i completed my collection uh night in a Ruts was the first one i bought that was an actual new release from aerosmith so i bought that one it was brand new and that you know listen to our episode i love that album um but you know being big into aerosmith at that time um i was expecting this album to be so much better because you know joe and brad are back but i just like uh, there's some there's there's a few gems but I'd say about 75% of the sound is shit. <laughs> and I know a lot of people listening are going to get upset with me, but, you know, I'm telling you, man, it's a minority of anybody that was back then when it was a brand new album that liked it. I'm not saying there's not. I'm sure there's some people. My friend Milo, who I went to that Aerosmith concert with, the one back in the saddle, he loves Dunwood Mirrors. So he was around back then. But I... I'm sure there's people that must have been as disappointed as me. Uh, not as disappointed as the next one, because Permanent wa- permanent Vacation was even worse. Uh, but, you know, because the, the, the songs that I do like on this, I fucking love, you know? So, uh, since you are the big fan of this album, man, I'll let you take the first song.
0: All right, well before we even get into it uh you know you brought up a very interesting point about uh comparing how i feel about this to how you feel about the elder and the the funny thing is uh it kind of makes me believe now that maybe you are a hundred percent honest about how you feel about the elder because there's still part of me that's just like there's no way people really like this it's just because it's the underdog
1: and that's where I think you're wrong, and that's where I think I'm wrong because I feel the same way about people I like, Donal Mirrors. Right. They but, like it because it's on, you know. Right. And,
0: and and you you brought up an incredible point that really makes me rethink uh, how I how I look at Elder fans because I can tell you quite honestly, uh, yes, I did get this after. Uh, permanent vacation. I had this before Pump came out. It's not like, you know, I discovered it when I found out it was a cult thing. I got it shortly after I got into Aerosmith because it was the one right before. But I loved it right away. Uh, you know, like I said, I got it on a cassette from a gas station. And, you know, it was like a few years later that I started rebuying everything on CD. And I went and rebought this on CD because I loved it. Uh, and it, it was really, really cool. So now it, it really makes me look, look at you different. Like, wow, I was maybe I was just really judging because of what I feel about The Elder. Because I can tell you quite honestly, before this became uh, The Dark Horse, I, honest to God, loved it. And this is before, like now, the whole band trashes this album. And I can't believe it. I really thought somebody would come out and say something. And, and all of them have a low opinion of this.
1: It's about time because most bands that bash albums are albums I love.
0: You know, and, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say all because I've never really heard, um, what, Tom Hamilton.
1: Oh, he ate. hates it.
0: Okay. Uh, it's, I, it's I know. It's a cancer. <laughs> I know. I know Joey Kramer is not a fan of it. I was really surprised to hear how much, uh, Joe Perry didn't care for it. Um, uh,
1: is that George Burns on the album cover? What it
0: looks uh, like. Uh, it, it does look like a young one, uh, yeah. but no, I don't. I don't believe so. Right. But, uh, but anyway, uh, a little before we get into the song, a little background. So they get back together, and they're with a new label. They get Ted Templeman, and Ted Templeman admits that he didn't get the sound he wanted out of him. Now he said what he wanted to create with with. Uh, Aerosmith is, is how he recorded Van Halen. And uh, what he meant by that, he, he said he wanted the out of control freight train sound that is them when they're live. So what he would do was just tell them he wouldn't. When you're recording in the studio, the red light comes on and lets you know that they're recording. He took the light out so they thought they were just running through it. They didn't think it was like a final cut because he wanted like spontaneity, he didn't want them like overthinking it. Uh, But he said he had to record at a studio that he wasn't familiar with, and he wasn't familiar with the board because Aerosmith was newly clean at this time. And they didn't want to record, uh, the record company didn't want him in L.A. because of drugs. They didn't want him in San Francisco because of drugs, so they went just to a suburb of San Francisco, Berkeley, California, uh, just to try to get him away from, you know, no- No, yeah, yeah, but I mean the thing is Berkeley. I mean there's a shitload of drugs in Berkeley, but uh, but that's the thing. Even even Ted Templeman says is he, he said he didn't believe that he got Joey's drums or Joe's guitar to sound the way he wanted because he was working with a board he, he wasn't comfortable with or familiar with. But uh, but that's that's just a little background, uh, you know what got him to this point. But we'll get into it. But I think these conditions uh, heavily influence how this sounds, uh, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. We talk about you know, some albums that don't have the best production, but I think this is a, a really good snapshot of where this band is at. Here's, here's guys in their mid-30s uh, who are newly clean and were once rock stars and are now lost in the MTV era. Uh, of the mid 80s. Uh but I think there's some neat results that come out of it. And we'll start off with the ti- with well, not the title track, but the first track Let the music do the talking. Uh wow. If if there's a song made for Aerosmith, it's this song. And I just found out today that there was a video for this. I had never seen what? the video. You didn't know that? I had MTV at this point and never saw this fucking video. Wow, it was
1: it was shown quite a bit.
0: Well, either I I I didn't care because I wasn't into hard rock at that time, but I mean 85, well actually it was really like end of 85. Well, th- yeah, this came out in November of 85. But this is right around the time I was getting in. I do not recall seeing this video. I watched it today on YouTube and I was like wow, I never saw this where these kids are breaking into, like, bootleg and Aerosmith Pouncer.
1: You you know what, dude? Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive the Back in the Saddle tour was 84.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. okay, there you go. So it did take a while for this to be released afterwards.
0: Yeah, yeah, Back in the Saddle was 84, and this was released that November of 85. And and then they did another tour, and like you said, the, the the, the Done With Mirrors tour was Ted Nugent opening up.
1: Yeah, I saw uh, that. I saw that.
0: Yeah, Hollywood Sportatorium.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that. <laughs> man, I'm uh, only on my first beer. Dude, I'm there, drinking this shit fast.
0: Yeah, wait till we get to the double album. Oh, my God. Uh, so, so, anyway, uh, man, the, the Steven Tyler and the gang really transformed this song to what, in my opinion, on the Joe Perry Project album was was very mediocre and maybe like the genesis of a good song was there but the singer killed it for me
1: well you know but, what dude it's funny you say that because i feel that way about a lot of these songs i feel like these songs had potential
0: oh but, yeah you know. and, and 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 we'll get into that as we go along it's something joey kramer had to say about this album but i'll, I'll bring that up as we, as we go through but uh but this one man is just rip roaring aerosmith to the bone uh, I, I, I love the, the you know it's, this sounds like Aerosmith to me and at the time I'm listening to this I really didn't know what Aerosmith what the sound was because I, you know I came on board with Permanent Vacation so to me that's Aerosmith because I don't know any better
1: Right.
0: Uh, but you know shortly after that I get this and I, I hear this and I'm like well wow I really like this one this is really fucking neat and this is the last, I would say, true Aerosmith album, because after this album, this album was totally written by the band. Started with Permanent Vacation up to now, with the exception of the excellent Honkin' on a Bobo album, which is all covers. Every Aerosmith album is full with song doctors, your, you know, your Desmond Childs, your... Your Jennifer Warren,
1: your Ruben Delarosa. I love that
0: guy. Uh, oh no,
1: I'm thinking pressure. Die. Uh he actually it, he actually helped write some of Melting uh, still Star. I don't know if you know this.
0: Yeah, but it worked there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, you you don't see an Aerosmith song anymore without it looks like a Beyonce song because there's 26 writers and five producers almost. You know. Uh, You know, and then it's filled with the fucking, you know, what we've come to know as the Aerosmith horns and all that shit. And you don't have that on this record. You have Aerosmith in a studio with songs that Aerosmith wrote. uh, And Let the Music Do the Talking, even though it was, you know, previously written by Joe Perry, it's got the Aerosmith stamp all over it. I think it's an amazing album opener. What do you think, Ralph?
1: Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! The song ROCKS! And, uh... I remember seeing the video, and it made me go out and buy the album, even though I would have bought it anyway. But I was like, Oh my God, this is fucking great! This song kicks fucking ass! And, you know, and... And I did hear this before the Joe... Perry Project version. And, uh... You know, I don't know, maybe the people back then... I mean, I can't understand it though, how people can actually say this version sucks. I've heard people actually say Aerosmith destroyed the song. I'm like, what?
0: You, you, know, you know what I kind of chalk it up like is, okay, I mean, I know you hate the song regardless, but uh, like Hide Your Heart, I love how Paul sang it better, but I like Ace's guitar work on his solo album, I think is better than what Kulik did. But right. with this song, I think across the board, Aerosmith wins hands down. But a lot of people think that other one's more raw and more rock and roll. I don't feel it.
1: Which which version?
0: Uh, the Joe Perry one. I don't feel it all.
1: I know. It's just, it's just I don't know, it just flats in me. And it's,
0: there you go. Probably the only time we'll agree on this album.
1: <laughs> Probably, yeah. No, I'm sure we'll agree with the songs I do like, which are, are very little. Only three songs I like on this one. You like every song on this album? Uh, that would be a spoiler alert. Okay. Well, this, uh, um, but this song is total hard rockin', boogie woogie Aerosmith to the fucking core. I, I, I you know, I think uh, Ted Templeman did an amazing job on this song. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think the sound sounds like shit, but I'm, uh, you know, it's just the songs. But it's a great boogie woogie fucking Aerosmith, uh, rapid fire vocals that, and and re- Steven Tyler redid the lyrics. It's, far as I can remember, I'm pretty sure. Oh,
0: thank, oh, yeah. Thank God, yeah. Because, I, I mean, Stephen Tyler, along with Bon Scott and, and David Lee, whatever, regardless what you think of Stephen Tyler now, that is one of the best lyricists in the history of rock and roll, right there with Bon Scott and David Lee. Rock. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Uh,
1: especially during this time. I mean, uh, this downwards. You know, I mean, right. and... and I know I keep bringing up this song every time we talk about Aerosmith, but man, no more, no more. What a genius, genius. Not not only musically, but lyrically. You know, Got My Horse and Carriage. It's like, you know, he he paints, again, he paints pictures that that you do understand what he's saying. I like Dio, though. I love Dio's lyrics as well. Um, Yeah, I love it. I'll go to the next one. Uh, My Fist Your Face is my favorite track on the album. Pure piss and vinegar genius tyler lyrics and the band is laying out that unique groove that aerosmith perfected in the 70s this song would fit perfectly on any of the 70s albums i love the fucking the title of the song it's so killer my fist your face it's like you know and 13 year old hookers got the old bull by the bone uh horns here's something interesting you know when they were recording this album i uh, mtv did a little news thing and i have footage of them singing this in the studio which is very badass. and i made a video for this song where you can see that footage in the video uh about phase linear f-a-d-e-l-i-n-e-a-r and you can see the video i made for the song i absolutely love it and yes i do literally like really visually right now I even remember because I was very close uh, to that show with Ted Nugent and uh, Steven Tyler sang that song on the right side of the stage the whole time smack in front of me and it was great and and, I love and, it. and even Joe Perry went on that side and harmonized with him and oh my god my sister face fucking rolls. what dude I would say if I was to put a top 20 greatest seriousness uh, uh, songs this would easily make it somewhere in there. Because they had so many great songs. But yeah, My Fist Your Faces. Dude, I'm telling you, as much as I dislike this album, I'd buy it again to get this song. You know what I mean? Nice. Love it.
0: Uh, excuse me. Uh, Wow, this is two songs in a row we agree on. This is classic. What a great groove. And the, I love that. bed and boot. You got me, moon.
1: Truly, right?
0: Yeah, truly. Something like that. But I'll tell you what, even later, Aerosmith, that I really couldn't stand musically, I always had respect for uh, Steven Tyler's lyrics. I thought he always brought it lyrically with his double entendres. Uh, But, you know, musically, it was very neutered. But here, yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head. This is classic fucking Aerosmith. This was the third of four singles released off this album. Wow. And and none, none of them really did... Sh- the first single, of course, was the opening track, Let the Music Do the Talking. This was the third one and did absolutely nothing. Uh, and actually, the only one that was really truly a, a single, I believe, was this one and Let the Music Do the Talking, even though there was four... Uh, the other two were pretty much, like, promo release only. Like, they just sent it out to the, to the, uh, you know, the record right. company, or the radio station, say, hey, Aerosmith's got a new record, you want to play this? And nobody did, of course. Uh, I, I mean, I remember, like, now you hear Aerosmith on, on almost, like, every radio station, really. I mean, unless it's, like, a rap station. But you could hear it on a rock station, or a classic rock station, uh, but I, I remember requesting Aerosmith in 87 uh, on a Top 40 station, and they wouldn't play it because they said it was metal. And I requested uh, Doll," and they wouldn't play it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Oh, I know, but Jesus Christ, I was like 13. I liked the, uh But, uh, you know, it just shows you how closed-minded radio was back then. And for a band like Aerosmith, who had really been off the charts for maybe about six or seven years, but it might as well have been 60 years, you know, in terms of hitness, because it was all about MTV pretty boys. Yeah. But, um. uh, this, this one though, absolute perfect classic Aerosmith song. And then we go into one here that, uh, now this, uh, I think can really be summed up by a quote that Joey Kramer said about this album. Uh, he said he felt the album was never really finished. Like, they didn't polish it up. And that kind of goes back to what Ted Templeman said he was doing uh, with the recording. Like, he wasn't letting them know, uh, you know, they just thought they were doing a run-through, but he was really recording it. This song, to me, uh, sounds like a song that wasn't fully flushed out, or flushed out, you know, uh... Uh, this sounds like Just them jamming But that's the appeal of it That I like It almost It, it reminds me of Something off of uh, Like the Beatles Let it be I mean I mean, not that it's That fucking You know Greater But you know what I mean Like, like these, This is just These guys in a room Jamming And it's not necessarily The best song But what I like Is it just has that Here's these guys In a room again uh, Flushing out a song But yet it's it really doesn't sound like a complete song but I love it just the same if that makes any sense I just like the spirit of it I think is stronger than the uh, than you know the outcome but I still love shame on you what do you think Ralph
1: uh, it sounds like very later Led Zeppelin to me um, uh, but a bad version uh, the verses are decent you know like I like, you know, and I agree with Joey and Tom it feels like this song had potential but the chorus is just too uh, repetitive, and it just goes nowhere for me. You know, by the third time I hear, shame, shame, shame on you, babe, I was just sick of it. Uh, I feel the load was blown on the first two tracks because it just gets worse after this. Next song, Reason the Dog. I know you like this one. I heard you talk about that before. I spoiled it for you. (laughs) But sorry, I think this one's weak. I, again, can see the potential because it does kind of have that Toys in the Attic vibe. um, Like Uncle Salty and shit like that. But potential doesn't kick my ass. You know? Uh, It just... Like the last song... I'm gonna kick your
0: fucking ass if you keep dogging this fucking song.
1: Well, in about ten minutes, you're gonna God bless me, so it's okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: Like the last song before this one shame on you it just seems rushly written it does have hooks but they're kind of dull you know she likes to grab my microphone what are you crazy night's era paul stanley now
0: it's a people <laughs> hey,
1: people it's a rush job a snoozer that just falls flat for me sorry and i know you love this one so gush away
0: okay Tied for my favorite song on the album. Uh, what? Yes. <laughs> uh, and what I love about it, I, I love the groove of the song, but what I really love is uh, the lyrics on this. And probably one of my favorite lyrics of all time is in, in the chorus, because I think it's so true and so poignant, but you want to talk about something that's like David Lee Roth or Bon Scott. The reason a dog has so many friends because he wags his tail instead of his tongue, I think that is absolute fucking genius, and 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 and, and about as fucking true as it gets. And I, I don't know. I just from the minute I heard that lyric, I was like, "Oh fuck!" But I love the fucking the groove of it too. Everything about the song works for me, and you don't have the fucking. Uh, you know, you don't have Chuck Mangione fucking you know playing horns in the background over it and fucking drowning it out. Uh, it's it's just them in the studio. Uh, if there is a weak point to this album, I, I I do think it is the production. I think what he failed to get is the grittiness of Aerosmith. But then again, you gotta look. Was there that grittiness in 1985? When you take away the drugs and now you got a bunch of scared guys in their mid-thirties trying to resurrect their career, maybe you didn't have that dirtiness, nastiness, and ugliness that you had in the '70s—that that was just drenched on those records. But, uh, but you still have the nucleus of this great band, and with the groove of this song and those lyrics, you can't fail. I love the reason a dog tied no, for favorite. I, I...
1: I gotta say that I feel also done with Mirrors is them coming out of that drug haze, you know? It's almost like they're jonesing, you know? They're like, wanting drugs bad, and I think it kind of clouded their judgment in, uh, well, I mean, now that you brought to light that, it's kind of 10 Templeman's fault that he didn't let them, you know, refine these songs. But I think also you add the element of wanting coke really bad but can't have it, where I kind of think that they were I, well, at least Steven was still dabbling behind people's backs. Oh,
0: oh they, they were all dabbling a little bit. As a matter of fact, as soon as this was over, they went back into rehab again before, <laughs> before they did uh, permanent vacation. Big. But I, th- I think you can almost kind of hear that, though. is They don't have the confidence that they had when they went and did permanent vacation. Because they were coming off this huge hit with Run DMC that really gave them a shot in the arm. And, oh, made yeah. a po- and made them popular again. I mean, they were really. Uh, you know, there, there was a quote talking about this album a guy from, uh, you know, MTV and Viacom at that time. They said after this album and came out and just kind of tanked, he said they were a joke. Like, you, you, you know, uh, like the whole Run DMC thing was almost a favor to even have them do it. Uh, because, like, everybody was like, oh, these guys are fucking done. They're has beens. I mean,. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think they had that cockiness, but there's still the, like, I don't know the element here, but yeah, you could tell they're not in that right frame of mind, but again, I think that's part of the charm. That maybe, like, you know, you're part of the charm with the Elder, is Kiss was so lost, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. But right. you like the end result. And that's how I am with this. I, I you know, I would never say this is the best Aerosmith. But I don't know, there's just something about it I respect and love and I admire uh, way more than, you know, pump or get a grip. You know, to me, this is truer to Aerosmith than those.
1: Well, I, and, and also, i like to bring up, this is a very interesting fact. At this point, with Dunwood with Mirrors, um, I have such a deep respect for Aerosmith that I equate this to um, uh, March or Die, Motorhead i don't like that album but i still respected them so much and then they bounced back with great shit but you know it wasn't until Aerosmith like really nailed you know beat me over the head with their schlop that i was like oh fuck these guys you know i'm just right. gonna stick to the early shit but uh done with mirrors did not turn me off to the band at all i mean i went to go see permanent Vacation, and Pump, and, and even get a grip that's when i stopped until the last two tours i went back but um but it, it didn't really diminish my fandom for Aerosmith. I just felt like, okay, you know, after all these albums they've done before this, they finally did a clunker. You know what I mean? But I still love them, you know? Right. It wasn't until Vermin and Vacation I was like, okay, uh, this one <laughs> kind of sucks and it sounds really fucking sparkly and I'm not into this shit. But, let, um, let,
0: let me ask you this, which which do you like better, *Permanent Vacation or Dumb and Mirrors?
1: Uh, Done with mirrors. Uh, okay, cool. For 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 my fist your face alone, bro. That song is just it it buries everything on permanent vacation. But you know what? I really love the song permanent vacation.
0: I I, I don't mind that one either, and I don't mind the uh, uh, Beatles cover. I'm down.
1: Yeah, that wasn't bad. I like Tangman Jury to an extent, and and I love Angel. I know you know. not I I I,
0: I, 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 li- I I like the instrumental. What is it? The movie. I thought that was kind of
1: different. Well, I gotta, I gotta hear it back. You know, I, I haven't put that shit on in ages. You know. Right. But um, but you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take Dunwoody Mirrors over that day. I mean, I'll take Dunwoody Mirrors over a lot of Aerosmith albums that came out after this, with the exception of one. And you know what? The one album I say that's better than this that came out afterwards will be my pick of the week. So stay 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 to. Oh, I
0: already know what it is, but I'll still stick around. Right. <laughs> alright well, why don't you take the next one Sheila
1: Sheila, oh man this one's garbage I remember hearing this one on the <laughs> radio back then really <laughs> yeah I'm on my third beer bro <laughs> right on uh, I do remember this must have been a single huh So you said there were a bunch of singles right this
0: was the second single
1: okay cause I do remember this on the radio and uh oh my god I think it's lazy songwriting hookless and like and like Sheila, it has no balls. Uh, fuck this song. Later, years later, I met this chick called Sheila. This is no lie, this is actually a true story. That totally blue balled me. You know, agreed to fuck me over the phone just to turn my nuts into grapes later. And uh, I should've seen a warning because of this song. This song is as lame as her. Well, it
0: might've been like, uh, uh, oh God, what's that, what's that one rapper's name? We talked about Sheila. Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sheila was a man.
1: Was that Tone Loc?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Tone Loc.
1: Was that Funky Call Medina or something?
0: Yeah, that's right. Sheila was a man.
1: <laughs> I like that shit, dude. I like that one and Wild Thing. Those are some catchy rap tunes. I like that guy's voice. It was it was with cool.
0: <laughs> it's like the Black Tom Waits. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you is. go.
1: I just love them. Sounded like that guy sounded like fucking he, he inhaled cigarettes every day,
0: you know? I know, right. <laughs> oh god. Alright, Sheila. Uh love it. Well, I love the I, I love the the groove of that intro that Oh man. This is one uh, uh written with uh Brad Whitford and those are usually my favorite Aerosmith songs.
1: Yeah, my and, favorite member, really.
0: Well, him and oh, Steven oh, Scott. mine too. And you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, this is the guy who wrote, you know, nobody's fault, you know. And I got uh, at yeah, uh, love, love Brad Whitford, definitely an unsung hero of the band. Uh, you know, only misfortune is, you know, like you brought up, you know, looking like Larry from the Three Stooges.
1: Yeah, that's uh, true. He does, doesn't
0: he? He does. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I, I, re- I really like Sheila. To me, it's, it's got a... Just the groove to it is what I like. It's got like a... A, a, a funky, funky groove.
1: Funky called Medina.
0: <laughs> That's right. Sheila was a man. So you're lucky you didn't have sex with Sheila.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. All, All right. right then well, we go uh, the- lucky, lucky in your standpoint, I, I'm sure Justin disagrees. Just
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll go to the next one. That is Gypsy Boots. Uh, to me, it's a good fast rocker. I just like uh, it. Probably one of the faster songs on the album. Uh, definitely an album track. Uh, a single, by no means, but I just like the fast spirit of it. What do you think?
1: Snooze fest. it's fed up a bit, yeah. It's snooze fast. It's repetitive, as the same as as uh, Shame on You and Sheila. Lame chorus, decent decent verses, but the chorus sucks as hard as Get a Grip. Fuck this song. She's on Fire is the next one. More like he's on fire. It's flaming. It's like Greg Barnes hanging out backstage at the Elton Elton John concert with Freddie Mercury holding a bag of dicks. (laughs) but, But one positive thing I can say about this song, it does cure insomnia. Uh, they tried this vibe again on the next shitty album with Hangman Jury, but the only difference is Hangman Jury I can tolerate, this one I just can't. I'm sorry.
0: All right, well I say, get the dobro. It's Dominoes. Huh? <laughs> the dobro, like a like a slide guitar. I love that shit, man. Yeah, uh, I, I, I I love the slide shit on this, man. Uh. Ooh. She's on fire. I love this shit, uh, man. I, and the, the slide work on this is fucking. I don't know. I, I I really dig it. To me, it's Aerosmith, and there's no horns, so uh, so <laughs> that's a big plus to me. Yeah, but
1: dude, Aerosmith did some great shit with horns. Uh, same old song and dance. No, and no, the, no.
0: But... They 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 did, but then it, it was nice. Okay, Aerosmith with horns is like Aerosmith balance it was nice when it was from the heart and it suited the song but then it got to the point where half the album has horns and half the album's a fucking ballad and that's when it was like it was out of necessity you know it's like uh, or it wasn't out of necessity they, they did it just to fucking do it but I mean songs like fucking Home Tonight uh, fucking amazing oh my seasons, god I love that song Seasons of Wither you, you my know, favorite. You know you know, Dream On is overplayed as it is. These are songs, and, and and they were the ballad, not one of fucking five. It was the ballad, and it was so good, and it, it deserved to be there. You know, and then when it got to like you know, you got Crazy and Amazing and blah blah blah, and all this fucking horrible shit. It's like just like, hey, we got to have those ballads because that's what's selling it. We got to put horns on it because. Because we do good with them horns. But when they were there, because it was meant to be there, it worked. And uh, I love that, that you know the ballad and the horns are nowhere to be found on this. And She's on Fire works for me. And then we get to, depending on what version you had, uh, the last song on the album.
1: No, there's two more.
0: Yeah, well, Yeah, but I'm saying depending on what version this is the last oh. song.
1: Oh really? What, yep. what song is
0: that? The Hop. The Hop. The hop. Yes, hey. the only song on the album that was written by uh, by all members,
1: five members,
0: and uh, I love it. To me, it's got a great swing to it, and uh, it feels like Aerosmith. And it feels like Aerosmith doing like a little, you know, uh, not not trying, not like a retro thing, but maybe paying a little bit of tribute. Uh, to, to the music they grew up on, and uh, to me it works. I love the hop. What do you think?
1: This is a pure hidden gem, killer swing and kick-ass Aerosmith. This is my Aerosmith.
0: Wow. The, okay. Good. The,
1: with the cool-ass autobiographical lyric, kind of like uh, no surprise, uh, you know, feel to it. Too bad the rest of this album can't hang with the uh, you know, except for the two songs. I love it. I love. Uh, I have a live version of this song on this single vinyl I got. I think it might have been for Let like The Music Do The we Talking. I got a vinyl from a single from this era that had two live songs on it. She's On Fire and I i could be wrong, but I think the other one is um, uh, Shame On You. I think. or No, I okay. think it's She's On Fire, actually. A live oh. version of that.
0: Do you, uh, do you have it? Yeah, hold on. I, I can tell you what...
1: It's a great version, too. The live version? Smokes. But so does the studio
0: version. Studio. Okay, Okay. yeah. Uh, that's the uh, the single for the last... Uh, uh, or the record for the last single, which is Darkness. It has She's on Fire uh, live, The Hop live, and My Fist Your Face live. All right, I'm
1: going to have to go grab the vinyl because, seriously, I don't think it's Darkness. Give me one second.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Uh, you are correct, sir. And the only reason I didn't realize this was the Darkness single, because the front of the album says Aerosmith's Specially Priced Limited Edition Live Maxi Single. Maxi sing-.
0: Single, yeah, I'm looking at it, it right now. It
1: doesn't say uh, Darkness on it, but you flip right. it over, yeah. Track one is studio version darkest, Darkness, and what is shocking, and I didn't realize, it also has a live version of My Fist Your Face on here.
0: That's correct. Oh, uh, the live tracks were recorded at Worcester, Massachusetts, March 12, 1986.
1: Yeah, She's on Fire, The Hop, and My Fist Your Face, which is shocking because I, I, I always thought this just had two songs and I thought it was one of the songs I didn't like and The Hop, and now I see it's got like my two favorite tracks on this album, a uh, live version. I got to listen to this again. I do remember The Hop live version because I remember putting this on a... a an Aerosmith mix as a kid, you know, um, with along with all the stuff that I love. And I love that live version. I can't really say it's better than a studio version, but it's no way worse. I think they're on par with each other. Love wow. this song. The hop is great, dude. A great fucking song. And it, and it did hang with my favorite Aerosmith songs on a mix.
0: Uh, and that's amazing that you have that because that's a very rare promo only. Wow. Um, release that was that was just for radio stations
1: well unfortunately it has a little hole in it you know that when they punch a little hole
0: yep yeah makes sense
1: bummer but uh yeah um i do own this yeah i don't remember how i got this but um now i gotta listen to it again later on i'll say here my sister face live because i don't remember that being on there at all this is shocking
0: wow revelations on the rock and metal combat
1: now i'm glad we did this shitty review
0: (laughs) Alright, All right, well now we go to the last song if you had the CD or the cassette because this was not on the vinyl release.
1: Fuck, I have the vinyl. Now I gotta go up and get that too? God damn, I could have sworn this was on the vinyl. Go Hold
0: grab on, that guess. mother...
1: Go grab that mother... All
0: right. Hold
1: on a second. Alright, I grabbed it and unfortunately I cannot read it because it's written backwards. I don't read backwards. Uh, well, I-
0: can you see how many tracks are on it? If there's no, only I'm, eight, I'm
1: just kidding. Actually, no. it is written forward, the track list, and darkness is on this. Now, okay, let me, well, that, that's let me not me...
0: the original pressing then, if, it's, yeah. if, you, if you can uh, read everything.
1: Actually, I did buy this like two, three years ago at a, a record convention because I gave away this original pressing when uh, I got it on CD. Because uh, right. I'm a complete, and you know, like I said, my is your face fucking I'll buy this album just for that song alone. Right. but uh wow wow uh yeah darkness is on here so uh fuck the original pressing I mean well I know.
0: well and, and that's that's another thing you know if you if you buy this album now uh they did change it to so people would buy it it is written so you can read it
1: oh well not this one well yeah the track listed, but the album cover is the same it's backwards yeah
0: but but now yeah, if you were to buy this on CD, they, they put it so you can so you can read it.
1: Yeah, the oh, so I guess the original pressing had the song listing backwards as well.
0: Yeah, everything was backwards. Okay, Every- yeah,
1: this one in the back, you turn it around and everything is written forward. Yeah, that.
0: no, everything was even uh, even the sleeve with the lyrics and everything, everything was backwards.
1: Oh, let me look at that. Yeah, and it's very well. This album is very in amazing condition. Yes, you are right. Uh, but it doesn't bring lyrics. But it does have liner notes, and it's all written forward. Right on. Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, I can tell it's not George Burns. He kind of looks like him, though, a little bit.
0: He, he does, though. That's a good call. Yeah. Good observation there. Uh, but as far as said song, The Darkness, uh, I absolutely love it, and I think it's a cool way to end the record. It really reminds me... Uh, of the way they ended uh, Night in the Ruts with Sarah. And, and it, and it kind of takes me back to that kind of... Uh, Mia, of, uh, by the
1: way. Yeah. Uh,
0: Mia, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the actress Mia Sarah.
1: Uh, you oh, weren't I thinking know. of Jepson <laughs> and the Airplane? Sorry,
0: oh, I love that song, too. It's horrible, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, it reminds me of that. And there's just something cool and it's got like a... It's got a darkness to the song, though. You know, aptly titled, and and it and it fits the music. You know, it's got that old like you know, you know, ragtail. Like you could, I can picture this like in a jazz club where there's way too much smoke in the air. You know, you know, like an old jazz musician playing, and uh, and and I dig it. And, and to me, it fits. Uh, it's a fitting way to end the album. What do you think, Ralph?
1: Well, uh, what I've been doing lately, I took notes, and you did bring up a point that I thought. I was like. Listen to the song, I picture a hole in the wall bar where there's a lot of smoke. I actually wrote that. A smoky bar that the door opens and it's Greg Barnes with, uh, it's Greg Barnes with Freddie Mercury right after that Elton John concert. And uh, they sit down, have a drink, and they take the dicks out of the bag and suck them saying, God, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Uh... Uh, uh there is a cool breakdown midway that is quite pleasurable actually. But the rest oh fuck. Sorry. Uh but the rest uh the rest of the song is like a gooey Rod Stewart stomach pumping nut jiggling fiasco.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's Thank a good you. album title.
1: Thank you. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So you don't like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm, i not. And uh, no, no offense to to, to gay
0: people. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. Uh, you know, it, this is a very polarizing album, much like the Elder, and uh, uh, you much said like, <laughs> uh, much like the Elder, where you know Kiss kind of slams the record. Aerosmith uh, slams this record, but fans look on it. Uh, favorably, and I think the people who do look on this favorably, either they are total, uh, you know, trendy fucking hipsters who who will rebuy this on cassette, uh, and will also buy The Elder on you know on cassette, or they generally love it uh, because it is the end of Aerosmith uh, without all the the bells and whistles. Hmm. This is this is there's just no doubt about it this is the last just Aerosmith in a studio record, you know, whether you like it or not uh, without all the song doctors and the horns. Uh, I do
1: agree with you to the point where the album that is my pick of the week is very polished where everything from a double mirrors down has that grittiness, you know, that, that, you know, that, uh, what do you call, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Ian? Dirt. I guess. No, but, you know, close enough. Raw, rawness? Yeah, but it was a different word I was looking for. Uh, garage sound? Real, Realness, I guess. I don't know. There's okay. Even though I'm not really into this album, I do feel like the, the band sounds a little more legit than what they became, even including the album I love after this. The album I love after this does have many bells and whistles. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about that when we get there.
0: Alright, well, let me check something real quick here. Let's see. Okay. This did manage to go gold. But it did not go gold until 1993. Wow. So that, that tells you something there. I mean, that's like eight years after it was released, and surely that was on the strength of you know their newfound popularity that people went back and gave it a chance, you know, those who initially ignored it. And I don't know if you can really name another band that went away, lost it all, and came back bigger than they ever were. I mean, and Aerosmith really did that. I mean, not not for the better in most people's opinions, but there's no denying that, the you know, the other half of their career totally... Uh, you know, sales wise and popularity wise, it blew away what they did beforehand. You know, as much as they were loved in the 70s, nothing can compete to uh, what they became with permanent vacation on, you know. And uh, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm happy for the band in a way, I just wish they could have done it with better, you know, music and, and kept their soul, but uh. I mean, they're legends for a reason. You know, even if they would have ended after Night in the Ruts, they would have been legends to me. Uh, And I know uh, Mr. T from Ironcast always talks about, uh, you know, how they were supposed to get on. They were supposed to take the plane that uh, Leonard Skinner crashed in, and they passed on it. And he said, man, if if Aerosmith would have died in that plane crash, they would have been considered one of the greatest bands of all time because you know, it would have been the first out through, through uh, you know, Draw the Line live Bootleg, and that was it. You know? Right. And, and, and uh, you know, but, you know... My the... least
1: my least favorite Aerosmith Studio album, by the way. From, the 70s, from the
0: 70s. Oh, yeah, no, no I, I agree with you there.
1: Though so it has some great songs, like, you know... Uh, uh... <gasps> like for Sore Eyes. What a great yeah. song. Great song. Uh, and, and Kings and Queens, one of my favorite... But, oh, I love,
0: kings and queens, yeah. and the and the title track. The uh, title track is great, but uh, you know, th- th- this band in a way did die and come back and came back, uh, you know, bigger than ever. And uh, hats off to them. And I, I would love to do some more Aerosmith reviews because I mean, you know, a band that has that many good albums, and we've only talked about two, and we've talked about two of the lesser albums of that
1: that's what we we do here
0: because these are unpopular podcast episodes.
1: Yeah, but we do it with, you know, not trying to like, you know, get attention from lack of vagina. But I I will say this, you know, to to make it easy on my brain, I would like to do Aerosmith reviews from this album down before we attack anything in the future. Even the one that I love, I would you know, I would rather focus on 70s Aerosmith because I feel like it's a lost it's, it, it's a, I mean, yeah, they're very popular with the older generation, but it's very lost with the newer generations. You know, a lot of people, that they just would never give this a chance because they think of, you know, uh, pink and loving an elevator and crap like that, you know.
0: And, you know, and initially when I was thinking about this one, I really wanted to do, uh you know, spoiler alert, my favorite aerosmith of all time, Get Your Wings but you know this is one that that i do like and i knew you didn't like and people love it when we disagree and we have had many many requests for this episode so uh those of you who wanted to hear it uh hey hope you dug it
1: and a hundred percent of those people that want to hear this review love this album but yes. just let me tell you guys something. I was there, okay? So don't lecture me. It's like some fucking punk-ass kid coming to lecture you uh, how fucking great the Black Album is. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, just have a little respect for us old fucks.
0: <laughs>
1: Unless if your name's Fidel Castro.
0: Alrighty, well, that being said, Ralph, you've been talking about it all episode long. Why don't you go into your pick of the week?
1: My pick of the week is Aerosmith, a band from Boston. Never Uh, heard of Uh, They released an album in 1990 that I fucking love. It's called Pump. Uh, An extraordinarily popular album with some extraordinarily shitty songs, like the singles, Uh, Janie's Got a Gun, terrible. Love in the Elevator, even worse. No, I don't know if it's even worse. Equally as terrible. hate those songs with a passion. But that's it. The rest of it is fucking phenomenal. F.I.N.E. Fine, Young Lust. um, What else? Monkey on Your Back. My favorite track, Voodoo Medicine Man. Written written or co-written by Brad Whitford. Total heavy, fucking very polished album. I will give you that. It doesn't have that Aerosmith grit that I love. But I feel like this album is fucking great. I love this album. When it first came out, I was like, thank God. After these last two albums, this is fucking... I love it. Yeah, it's very polished and stuff, and it's the blueprint of all the shit that came afterwards. But I absolutely love Pump, and I will even be more a little more unpopular. There's about four tracks I like on Nine Lives. Uh,
0: I there's some shit I really love on Nine Lives. Yeah, me too. And there's some shit I really fucking hate. One thing I do have to correct you on: this was released in 1989. Really. Uh, not 90, yeah. It came out September of, uh, of 89. Uh, oh, and, nice. and, and, and this was the only uh, tour I ever got to see Aerosmith on. I did see the tour wasn't 90, though. Uh, yeah, they were
1: playing on top of a building. I, right I, the
0: would, I would say this is uh, my favorite post-Done with the Mirrors album. Uh, definitely. And as much as I hate the ballads, I do love what it takes.
1: Oh, I, I love what it takes. I love The Other Side, too. Another great single. Yeah,
0: and I was going to say that's my other favorite one. And that one's chocked full of fucking horns. But to me, yeah. it, works, it works on that song.
1: And you know what you would probably hate, and I and I even love more than The Other Side, is the honky-tonk country version that came out on one of the singles. I love it. I think it's even better than the studio I, version. But I love the studio version. Yeah, they, they did like a honky. There's a, I got the other side sing, uh, CD single, which brings like four different versions of the song. And there's like a honky-tonk country version on it that I fucking absolutely love. Love that version. It's probably up on... Um, thing. And I also want to bring up something about Get a Grip. Get a Girl. Grip. Get a, oh man, I agree 100%. I'm with you there. That album's even worse than fucking Permanent Vacation. Yes. I mean, that one's really bad. But it had a B-side that I really like called "Can't Stop Messing with It." That's really good. It's uh, but you know in the vein of "Hump." Uh, it's very catchy, kind of heavy, but but extremely catchy song. That boy, it, it could have replaced anything on "Get a Grip" and be the best song on that album. Uh, but that, you know that's what I want to say about that. Yeah, I'm feeling drunk. Tune in next episode because right now. After this, he and I are going to do a little something for an exclusive YouTube thing that you guys will hear before this episode's there. And right. then by then, I'm going to be hammered for the double album. And I'm going to give people a little spoiler of what that double album is. I'm not going to tell them what it is, but I will tell them this about the double album. It's two albums. There you go. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, that is a great pick of the week. Uh... You definitely like it more than me, but it's not a bad album, so check out Aerosmith Pump. Uh, My pick of the week is an 80s masterpiece that I think uh, some people, if you haven't listened to it in a while, go back and check it out, and for those of you who weren't there, go back and check it out. I'm talking about the 1984 masterpiece by Billy Idol, Rebel Yell. I really love this album. And there's, you know, there's Burnout songs, Rebel Yell, we've all heard it a million times. But, you know, there's also shit like Eyes Without a Face, Flesh for Fantasy, uh, Catch My Ball, Don't Stand in the Shadows, uh, Blue Highway, Daytime Drama. Uh, I really, really like this album. And it doesn't get much more 80s. But uh, it's it's an amazing mix of hard guitars and, and, and 80s polish, uh, but it works. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Billy Idol, and I don't think he made a, a finer album. Uh, are you a fan?
1: No. No, no and a- with the exception of the last two songs, I've heard everything he mentioned. Eyes out a Face, Flesh for Fantasy, the title track, and... But I don't know "Blue Highway" or whatever the fuck. I don't know those songs, so I, I'll reserve my judgment on those. But no man, for some reason, Billy Waddles never did it for me. But it's also a person that I don't despise. I kind of think he's kind of cool, even though I can't. I don't like him musically. The only thing he's ever done that I liked was "White Wedding." I love that song, but that's it. What I've heard. So and I I, I just don't, never was a Billy Idol thing. I never was, you know. So. uh... Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Yeah. With a rebel whale, she cried mo, mo, mo. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't like it either. You know what I mean? There's some things that you're like, you know, that does nothing for me, but, you know, I respect it, you know, for what it is. You know, you have that, right? Like Thrasher oh, dies. Yeah. You like that way of Thrasher dies. Right? Hey, hey, hey. Wow. I love Thrasher dies. Yeah, <laughs> me too, by the way. True story.
0: But, uh, hey, uh, give it a try. You know, to the listening audience, I uh, might not be able to convert Ralph, but maybe I can convert you to give it a oh, try.
1: I'm sure you can. I mean, Billy Idol is very well loved uh, artist. You know that. You know, a lot of people. I, I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody that didn't like Billy Idol, except that one time I, I, I walked by here.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time to go to fan of the week. And our fan of this week comes from across the pond. As a matter of fact, he comes from... I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. Uh, storebridge in the UK. I love that place! I'm talking about Stephen Palmer. Alright. Stephen Palmer has been very active on the page lately, and that is what we ask. Uh, If you're going to join, let your voice be heard. Let... Let uh, you know, let yourself be known because that's how you could potentially be a guest on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. You know how you don't get to become a guest? Ask. That's that's probably about the worst thing you could fucking do. But if you do something on the page, man, you make us laugh or like, man, you show a lot of like, uh, like, wow, this guy's a real big fan, you know. That's how you get noticed, and that's where the, you know, it starts to where, hey, we might have this fucker on the show. What you don't do is fucking bet. And yeah. you know who I'm talking to out there in uh, podcast land. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you do.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting a little fucked up. I'm on my fifth beer.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> this shit but, goes uh, down- but, Stephen Palmer, you've gone about everything right, and and we appreciate you. We're glad you found the show, and we're glad that you participate. So this is your week to shine, Stephen Palmer. Thank you very much. You are our fan of the week. And,
1: and an amazing drummer. I love his work with Asia.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, Emerson Lake and Stephen Palmer.
1: Well, that one I wasn't too late. Welcome back, my friends. You're the show, the show oh, that, show that, never, that ends. never ends. I never really liked that, but, yeah, there was one song from that, band that i really liked
0: still he turns me on
1: yeah great drummer all right (laughs) stephen palmer awesome
0: all right let's do the fucking plugs
1: all right kiss army since 2007 you've been getting
0: pod kissed the kiss audio fanzine for your ears that's right it's your podcast every month the podcast crew along with the kiss room brings you kiss talk like no one else whether it be roundtables interviews with the band past and present analysis and great kiss fun hi this is jace
1: fraley and you're listening to podcast hi this is bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. the podcast the kiss audio fanzine for your ears Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp, Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Royce brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot UK, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt.
0: All right. Well, if you enjoyed this Dark Horse episode, and we know all seven of you who asked for it did, come back next week, When uh, we get former Aerosmith alumnus Jimmy Crespo and Rick Dufay join us to talk about their new project. They're in a band called Bobby Blotzer's Aerosmith. Oh. (laughs) And and, uh, supposedly they perform these songs with all the integrity that Aerosmith fans require. And it's got that Bobby Blotzer stamp of approval so you know its quality. Yikes. That's next week on the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast.
1: See you then.